Good to have you back here, three and out on the Southern Pigskin Radio Network. Kevin Thomas, Ben Troop, thanks for making us a part of your day. So much to get to here on this Tuesday. Hit us up on Twitter at Pigskin Radio. We're streaming live, ESPNCoastal.com, also on the ESPN app. And you can see our smiling faces on Facebook, Twitter, <laughs> and YouTube. Uh, ESPN Coastal, mm-hmm. our channel there on YouTube. We encourage you to come uh, check us out there as well. But, Ben, we got a lot uh, to get to. We'll talk some football as we are in mini camps uh, this week. College football is coming up around the corner. Who are some teams prepping to take that next step into the, uh, I guess, the college football royalty category? We'll get to that. Rich Stiles, host of the Back Nine Boys Golf Show, will join us. We'll talk everything U.S. Open and everything that's not been U.S. Open. Now, talking about this week. Also, uh, Brandon Scooby Robinson will join us coming up in the final hour of the program, and we'll talk some NBA Finals with Scooby as uh, we are going to Game 6, and the Warriors lead it three games to two. But, uh, Ben, we, we keep talking about it. I'll say it today. Maybe we'll come on tomorrow, and it will be the, the full Baker's dozen. But the Braves are on a 12-game winning streak, going for 13 in a row tonight. A lot of fun last night. As uh, the offense continued to uh, to go out there and, and through a rain delay, come out there and get it done. Michael Harris, first home run. He continues to play really, really well. Conti- yep. He got a uh, a hit streak continued last night uh, for him. In his final at bat, he hit that homer. Uh, the Braves are now five games behind the Mets. We see you, Mets. We're waving in the rearview mirror. Uh oh. Oh, cold trickle. Look Here they come, like yeah. Yeah, so, we got you. Uh, so they're coming. But you can't start any further with the Braves than the Ozzie Albies news. So Ozzie yeah. Albies, midway yeah. in that game, yeah. takes a swing, fractures his foot, and immediately you go, that's not good. No. Uh, you've had foot fractures. Uh, yes. You've had things that, that's not good. And the Braves haven't really issued a statement about Ozzie Albies that I've seen hasn't issued a statement about Ozzie Albies. But if you want any indication, the Braves put him on the 60 Six zero day IL, so he's not eligible to come back for two months at the very least, as it stands right now, Ben. So that obviously, no pun intended, hurts and hurts a lot. It does hurt. You feel bad for Ozzy. He, I mean, because Kevin, we get so used to we we get so used to what guys do day in and day out. We realize when they get hurt, their impact is bigger than just what they do at the plate, bigger than just what they do uh, with their glove. Ozzy, as you see, he's one of the hard. He's the hardest soul of that infield, and. He's going to be missed. But this is where Alex Anthopoulos earns his money. Alex Anthopoulos showed you in 2021, Ronald Acuna Jr. was hurt. And we still went on to win the World Series. That's to say that, look, you have to build your team to withstand injuries. Good teams, everybody deals with injuries. Most teams can't withstand them. The Braves say, look, we can't go on. Name me a, name me a team, good teams, bad teams, middle of the road teams that don't deal with injuries. Good teams say, okay. They do this every day. If they're in the front office, all right, what about if this guy goes down? Or what if he goes down? And, you know, when you think about what Ozzy uh, brings to the table, what he means to the team, it's rough. But they still won the game. Bittersweet. <coughs> but 60 days. You know what that means, Kevin? That means, look, Ozzy, we're going to hold it down for you. Meaning, when you come back, we're going to give you something to come back to. Because I guarantee you that if I'm Ronald Cooney Jr. in 2021, Kevin, you when he went down, I went, oh my freaking God. You know, like, like everybody else, right? Yeah. But do you know how much motivation that gives him to know the team kept going this way? Like, wait, he goes, Do we gonna win the World Series, bro? We're gonna win the NL. You know, I think 
For Isaac, he's saying, look, Isaac, put you on 60 days. Meaning we're going to give you a chance to, if you got to get a minor surgery, hopefully it's minor, give you a chance to come back. Because, I mean, Anthopolis has gone through it. Him and Snit, Snit, like, yeah. look, I done dealt with all kind of injuries. Now, I'm from Ronald. Right now, I got Isaac. Then you talk about Soroka, who still isn't back yet. You have to build your team to be able to withstand it. Isaac going to be missed, and, man, and because, because, it, he's so, because he's so freaking consistent. Yeah, and it's tough. Ben, as I said, you've had foot injuries yeah. uh, before, and a fracture, uh, depending on we haven't again, we haven't seen what it is other than it's a foot fracture and you're out for two months. But it's sports. Mm-hmm. I don't care if you're playing golf, baseball, tennis, football, basketball. If your feet are messed up, that's tough, that's right? Your, I mean, that's, that's, that's your money that, that, That's the yeah. whole. That's the whole. Yeah. Whole thing. So, how tough it was it for you to come back? Because again, Ozzy's got a plant. He's got a cut. He's got to push off. Uh, depending on which side of the uh, the plate he's batting from, how tough is it to come back and get confidence back and make sure that it's actually healed and get back to sport on a foot that that you've injured that way? The hardest thing. The hardest thing is the physical. I mean, it's the mental because. You know, when you're dealing with an injury, at a certain point, when, when you're going through rehab, they, they take it slow. They assess it. If you've got to have surgery, have surgery. Start going through the rehab process. And every week, they start putting a little bit more pressure on it, a little bit more pressure on it. And then they tell you, look, you're going to deal with some discomfort. You just broke a, you just fractured a bone. Fractures are a lot, a lot more strenuous than broken bones because if it could be a stress fracture, which means it come, it's like a – like a toothache in your foot. Sometimes you feel it, sometimes you don't. But look at look at what happens to the play. Like look at look at what it is. If it's if it's pitches, it's always Tommy John. Why? Cause dude, that's all they got, man. Shoulders all the time, all the time, all the time. Elbows all the time. Ozzy, he's a second baseman. He got to be agile on his feet. Now, when you talking about a foot, the one place which I am praying it is not is the top of his foot. I only de- I only dealt with like uh you know my heel I broke uh I broke like the side of my foot, but I was always told this: certain injuries are harder to overcome. Case in point, Achilles. Man, people say it's a year. Mm. <clears throat> it probably take a year to get back running again. Then you got to get back to fully functional. I I give you I give you Richard Sherman tore his Achilles. Yeah, Mike Soroka. Yeah, Mike Soroka hasn't seen him. But the thing about a guy like Ozzy is this is what they're gonna do. I can guarantee you this. Ozzy has dealt with foot problems. It just wasn't to the point that they're going to say, yeah, man. Like, he don't go in and they're going to – hopefully it's minor. But I think what happens is, Kevin, is let me just go ahead and say this. Mike Trout not supposed to be able to do what he does consistently. He just his, – his muscle his muscle memory, that's just what he does. He's, he's big, fast, strong, agile. He don't play second base, though. Second baseman, shortstops. These guys are different people. You got to be super duper quick, agile. And the thing about Isaac, he was built for what he did. Short, low to the ground, low center of gravity, super duper athletic. I, I, I just I just hope that for him in his minor, sixty days. Make this is why they really did sixty, Kevin. They going look. We're not good at timetables, so they go tell the trainer. The trainers go, you probably want to give him sixty. Why? Because if you give him thirty. It's 60. Well, I mean, I think that tells you what they think about the injuries. Yeah, well. but but I, but I will say this for Ozzy: the hardest thing to deal with as a, as a athlete is injuries. That's the hardest thing. Not losing, not little nicks. It's because now, because the team got to go on. Like they don't. If you get hurt in practice, they, they move practice down. You get hurt in the game, they just keep on playing. That's, but, that's, that's, 
That I mean, I, I I know why they do that, Ben. But to me, that's got to be like the most discouraging thing. Well, you're like, I, I'm, I'm laying there, and you're like, yeah. Ah, my knee hurts, <laughs> fellas. Let's take it 15 but, yards but, that but way. You, but keep you, going. I'm, but I'm I'm gonna tell you why they have to do that. I'm gonna tell you why they have to do that. Sometimes as players, we forget. Hey, man, this game is gonna go on without you. Like you love it and you want to be a part of it. But the most agonizing part is it goes on. Like, Kevin, we go back to that 2002 National Championship against Miami and Ohio State. People think it was the, uh, it was the, it was the defensive uh, pass interference that, that wasn't. No. It was when Willis McGay, he got hit by Will Allen, the safety of Ohio State. And they kept showing it. They kept showing it, kept showing it, kept showing it. If I'm Miami, I'm thinking, dude. And then he's on the ground, can't move. All of a sudden, we'll blow the whistle, let's go. What? Like, my mind – and. Listen, it's not. It's it's got to be. It's it's twenty. It's it's, it's got to be 70 percent mental, thirty percent physical. For a guy like Ozzy, is now is if if Ozzy know I got sixty days, man. Focus on getting better. Don't concern yourself. Focus on getting better because at least you're coming to a team that matters on a team that's going to be contending. And I I just think that you know uh, Floyd Reese, uh, the, uh, the GM that drafted me at, uh, with the Titans. Man, he rested. He told me that. He said, man, football is not hard. He said, injuries are hard because most of y'all have never dealt with them. You, ain't, you, don't know, you don't know what it's like to play this week. I can't play next week. I'm out for three weeks. Come back. He said, but now the wear and tear is every day. You're, 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 you're tightening these muscles up just to tear them down slowly. That's why you lift weights because you got to get – if I got – if I'm 3 4% body fat, that means I got more muscle to tear down. I just tear it down slowly and slowly. Certain guys, certain guys get 20 years, certain guys get 10. Most of us get five, four, three. But Ozzy, I mean, Ozzy plays how he looks. That dude looks fast. He is. That dude looks quick. He is. And the last thing you want is, oh, get up, Ozzy. And then, but you, but sometimes, I know this is crazy, injuries are your body responding to everything you've done. That's like, hey, man, I ain't got no left. Like, that's it. At least for right now. I mean, I'm just saying, and, and like, Kevin, how many, how many ACLs we see, they ain't touch nobody? They just run up, knee buckle, knee, yep. go to the left a little bit, done. Dude, he ain't touch nobody. His knee goes, that's it. His knee woke up and said, hey, bro, you might want to, this ain't the day. <laughs> but, you ain't, but you can't. You can't listen to us. So, I, I, listen, I'm hoping, I hope it is uh, minor for Ozzy. But this Braves team, Kevin, is built. They've literally seen it all. They've literally dealt with it all. And I think that, unfortunately for us, you know, we ain't, you know, the, the, I mean, the, the Mets dealing with it with pitching and, Everybody's dealing with it. I think we're going to have to, you know, RCA, we're going to see what he's made of. Because like you said, Kevin, sometimes you replace the man and the man is still in the building. He ain't gone nowhere. That's going to be a lot of pressure on him, but hopefully he's, uh, you know, he's ready to step up. And I, I think that's an apt description. He's, he's the heart and soul. Uh, you know, he is. Ronald is the energy and the juice. I think, uh, you know, Michael Harris brings some of that. Uh, Dansby's kind of that youthful energy. Is, I, th- I think Ozzy is a good mix of. Yes, good mix of both. I think to me, Ozzy is a mix of. Acuna and Freddie Freeman. I know that's probably, but, but in terms of pro- personality, he's like, he got the professional I mean, side. He, got, he, he got, has he fun got. with everybody. Else. Hey, I hit a homer. They're dumping bubble going ahead. They're braiding my hair in the in the in the, who, who, in the who, dugout. Who did he get out? Who did he get out in second? And he's just laying on the ground with him, just talking to him a little. Like like yeah. Ozzy, Ozzy, Think about this. And this this is a good, another great thing about sports. Ozzy, Ozzy, a little guy, short guy, right? You know, you know, you know, Darno come down, yeah. whomever come down. Yeah. But the thing is, right. The greatest thing about sport is whatever you whatever you have insecurity wise, your teammates gonna help you deal with it. I don't have if you've ever met me before. I don't have the smallest head and face if you've ever <laughs> met me, right? But when I go to the, when I when I play for Florida, and, I, and you know I had a friend Gus Scott man came in two thousand t- head jokes every day, you know. <laughs> I mean we, we we we're captains one time, 
Right? Listen, we're captains one time. Obviously, ref got to throw the ring. He throw it, you know, flip the coin. He said, heads or tails? And Gus got turns and just looks at me. And he said, <laughs> you, I, you, bet, you bet not. Because in his mind, he goes, yeah. You th- he looks at the ref and goes, you think he can pick tails? It's already made. <laughs> and to me, <laughs> and, the, and, the thing oh, is, right, and the thing is, to me, you don't realize how much you need your teammates just for you in general. The game is just a bonus. So he will be missed. You know, hopefully, you know, they'll let him. I guess now when guys are injured with the Braves, let them sit in the dugout because the Braves dugout is it's a documentary waiting to be seen, that thing right there. We got panda heads and all kind of stuff. But, yeah, yeah. Isaac, man, we're going to miss you, man. But RC, hey, man, it's time to step up. Yeah, and he is a guy that I think could be playing for another team, uh, potentially the starter, but now he's here with Braves. He's going to get his opportunity probably for the next 60 days to go show out uh, what he can do. We got so much to get to. Hit us up on Twitter at Pigskin Radio, 912-342-7184, 912-342-7184. Rich Stiles will join us next hour. Brandon Scoop B. Robinson in the final hour. Then we knew the Falcons' DNs were in a tough spot. Mm. I didn't realize how bad it was. We'll get mm. to some of that when we come back. It's three and out on the Southern Pigskin Radio Network. Good to have you back here on this Tuesday. Kevin and Ben, Braves coming up later tonight. 5.50 with the pregame coverage. Game two of three with the Washington Nationals going for the Baker's Dozen. 13 in a row. Ben, we, I want to talk, you know, Falcons here. It's very interesting. They're going through the rebuild, which is a dirty word in Flowery Branch. But we talk about the Falcons' pass rush, and Ben, we knew it was bad. I know it was that bad. Uh, went, went and, uh, you know, read a piece on the, the Falcons' pass rush. 34.2% win rate on the pass rush. Second only to Detroit. And I don't mean second in a good way. Mm. Second in a very, very bad way. The Falcons, basically, as you probably should have after last season, jettisoned anybody who remotely played defensive end for the most part on the Falcons last year. They're all gone except for one cat, Adi Ogundeji. How many sacks do you think he had been? He probably balled up. I think he had one. Yeah, he had one. One whole sack, which you go, well, that's not a lot. Well, that would have been good for third on the team. It's in the detail. So they kept a couple of practice squad players. They went out and signed a few guys, obviously drafted Ibakite, and a team that had 18 total sacks last year, only eight and a half of those 18 came from the guys who are, you know, paid to get sacks. Eight and a half. Eight and a half. Out of, I, okay. and, and this is what you broke it down for me. Like, no, no, no. Here's where it's real bad. Eight and a half, and you know you had at least four guys playing defensive end last year. Yes. And, and out of 17 games, they got eight and a half. And that would be two starters and two backups. This, this is the thing. Okay. When you start, listen, when you start getting into the numbers, things start adding up. Like, when we're number two right behind Detroit. Uh, Well, uh, <laughs> I'm sorry. Like, you're number two. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that's like saying, man, I, yeah, man, I graduated second in my class. Yeah, second from the bottom. It's like, <laughs> I. I this Atlanta team, Kevin, think about this for a second. All your production is gone, and that's five and a half sacks. So Dante Fowler might as, might as well have been, you know, Aaron Donald. He might as well have been one of the Bosa brothers. For this team, the hardest thing to do in football, in the pros, is to get double-digit sacks. It is rough. It is extremely hard. How do I know? Okay, 30, 32 teams, at least two starters, 64 guys, out of 64 guys, now, out of 64 guys, I'm just going to use 64. 17 got double-digit sacks. 17. Right. 
And then, and then, and, then, and when it and when it go from ten, we talking about nine and a half, seven and a half, six. But it's hard to do. But when you don't have a pass rushing identity, it's even harder. Oh, it's bad. Yeah. And so I was I was looking at it, and I found this kind of funny. Uh, ben, because uh, Ted Mon- Monachino is the Falcons' DN coach, and in the piece they said, <laughs> I can't help but laugh because mm-hmm. he's 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 showing players instead of film of hey here's how we do things, he's showing them T.J. Watt. And Cameron Jordan and saying, guys, this is what a defensive end looks like. And it specifically said, we are showing Ibakite film of TJ Watt and say, do it like that guy. Do it like that. I mean, that, 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 is, that, is that outside the, the no, realm? Like, that, that's, I mean, that's you are so bad, you don't have in house footage. About it, think about this. To say, this is how we do things in Atlanta. No. If you, if you are sometimes, right, okay, if it, if it was a, uh, when I was with the Titans, if it was a just a dominant defensive performance. They will say, all right, before we break up offense to defense, I want to kind of show you what our defense is doing. We look, we go, oh, 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 <laughs> to show what they're really doing to these guys, right? They don't get that with Atlanta. Think about this. How bad is it? You break out the Steeler tape. I have to show you other people. <laughs> now, if there's a certain technique that I want you to work, I might show TJ White. I might show Cam, you know, Cameron Jordan and, 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 and uh, so on. But if you are Atlanta, you're saying to yourself, look, man, if you get double digit sacks for Atlanta, that's Pro Bowls type stuff. When you when Case you think about, when you think about when you think who was about the last it? guy to do it, John Abraham. No, it was. Uh, oh, uh, Vic Beasley. Vic Beasley that one, that one time. It was, it, had <laughs> it was an anomaly because 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 I think he went from fourteen to like three. And this the thing, next when year. people are saying thirty four percent win rate, thirty four percent out of a one hundred percent win rate, like I mean nobody's gonna be a hundred obviously. No, nobody's but gonna I mean, be a hundred. But it's the thing. I now. This is the thing about a win rate. A high, a good win rate is, you know, I mean, you got like a 50%. You got like, now, I don't think it'll have it because that, that means you win half the time. You, if you're talking about getting close to that 45, you know, to that close, it's like really between 45 and 50 because you're not going to win half the time. But the thing is, that's a 34% win rate with the sacks that they got. And they're going to do it by, by committee. Let, let's just call it what it is. Lorenzo Carter and they're going to do it by committee. But when people ask, why do I need one dominant one dominant guy paves the way for everybody else? How did Dante Fowler end up in Atlanta? He was in L.A. playing right beside who? Aaron Donald. He had what? I think he had 10 sacks. That's how we signed the contract with the Falcons. It is extremely difficult to get double-digit sacks. Extremely. And I think that, you know, Cameron Jordan been doing it for a while. And the thing about Cameron Jordan is, listen, the, listen, the better I'm at, the better I do at something, the more confidence I build. To the point where, man, I can still stop the run. I can still set the edge. But if that quarterback make a mistake, he mine. That's, that's all pass rushing is. Pass rushing is my job is to make the quarterback go through his reads quicker. My job is to make the quarterback get off his spot. My job is to create another line of scrimmage. And if that quarterback dumb enough to hold it, he is mine. That's, that, that's pass rushing. As a tight end, I used to look at it the same way. You put a linebacker on me, it's me and him. You put a safety on me, now it doesn't mean that I don't respect those guys. Okay, here we go. Here I I I, I just wanted to, to clarify because I heard pass win rate, pass rush win rate. They apparently have it for pass blockers too. Pass blockers is can you sustain a block for two and a half seconds mm-hmm. or longer to win on the pass rush? This is not sacking the quarterback no. or hitting the quarterback. Pass rush win rate. Tells us how often a pass rusher is able to beat his block within two and a half seconds. 
and the Falcons' win rate was 34%. Yes. So, so it's so, one thing to beat so, your block and you don't quite yes, get there, but yes. you, you're not even beating the block think, a third think, of the time. Hold on, think about this. So, from, from, so when people ask how fast do things happen in the NFL, you have to beat the blocker and get it within two and a half seconds. That fast. I got to come off, beat him, make a move, get to the quarterback. And, and that's how – or – and somebody goes, wait a minute. Well, how, what do – what do everybody's doing that, though. It's like you got to – they always tell the uh, quarterback, you got to have a clock in your head. Got to have a clock in your head. Every time a field goal gets blocked, it's because I, I think a field goal has to be under – has to be under two seconds. From snap, hole, kick, if it's, man, it was that one that block. Because every, cause every time they kick it, that – Listen, they, they call him. They, listen, they call him a jumper. He's right there. That thing is. That thing is almost at his fingertip. It's like some of this stuff is pure science. So what they're doing when they're going through pass rush, they're saying, "Look, man, y'all got to come off the ball." Like if you've ever seen great pass rushers, if you ever seen any one of the bosses, they curled up like a snake, like like a NASCAR, like they finna come out the block, they finna get there. They like this. They basically saying, "I don't care who that dude is in front of me." Wait, he he's just in the way. It's called running the loop. They running the loop, running the loop, bending the corner. DeMarcus Ware, Von Miller, uh, John Abraham, the best ones that ever do it, when they're coming off, they run to that loop. And listen, every time, and the, and the quarterback say, I'm going to pad a little bit, sack. I'm going to hold, sack. And for Atlanta's sake, it's going to have to be something where they say, look, man, and Kevin, if you can't. So you're not the beating the block 65% of the time. No, you're not. No, and no. That, I mean, that's what I'm saying. There's the Falcons last year. I mean, I mean the, uh, look, the, uh, T, look, T.J. Watt, I think, you know, had – Tied the record for most sacks in the season with Michael Strahan. 20, 22 and a half sacks means I have a very, very high win rate. Meaning, if I'm not there, either I'm hit, it's like every time you see a quarterback throwing, you see him, he's getting hit. Meaning, if he would, they go, oh, I almost got that one. Oh, or you win and you slip at his feet. But you got to get used to winning. All you should be doing is coming off. Like, I, I'm going to say this. I don't care how many tackles you have at defensive end. I really don't, man. I had a hundred tackles. Well, well, that ain't good either. <laughs> it, it, it's good for you, but I played with Kyle Vanderbilt. She's probably the most complete defensive end for one a couple of years I've ever seen out in Nebraska. One year, I think he had like 14 sacks, he had like 100 tackles, but he had a motor that didn't stop. He'll rush the pass and I get there, that throw, he run out of field. This dude was, he was, inc- he was incredible. He got the most, he he's not the most talented player I've ever seen, but as far as like, Utilizing every gift and every tool he had. But yeah, Kevin, if you are an Atlanta Falcons defensive end, you play on the D-line, Grady Jared and all, y'all better make up y'all mind. Because Kevin, you you so you you're rate number 30. Yep. 31. Oh my If Kevin, Lorenzo Carter has five sacks, they might slap him in the ring of honor up there. Listen, Lorenzo, I'm just saying, Vic Business might have a chance of being the ring of honor leader. Every day he likes who led league sacks. He did. I mean, he did. He did, right? I'm, I can't take that away from him. If you ever let a league anything, catches, No, I'm not saying it's not, but, but it is a, that, that was the one-season outlier in a, a decade-plus of misery. It's a flash in the pan. Because what happens is you want to be able to cook good seasons together, good seasons together, good seasons together. And outside of that season. And what happened when he did that? Falcons went to the Super Bowl, able to get to the quarterback. Isn't it ironic that when the D-line plays, where well, there's a correlation <laughs> to the team playing well. <laughs> I mean, we'll see. O line, D line, but if, the foundation. But if you squad. go out there this fall and you see those first couple of preseason game and go, listen, I don't recognize a, good, a single D in on this team. Look, take a good look at the D line coach for Atlanta, because he ain't gonna look like that this season. <laughs> he gonna be stressed. <laughs> <laughs> he is. Have a lot less hair, and, and <laughs> I bet Falcons definitely will have the tape on the helmet 
in uh, in camp because none of these guys were around last year. And literally, I, they kept one one guy. One. And I wouldn't have named him if you gave me a hundred guesses. Beast. Ogan Deji. If I'd have given you twenty, <laughs> how many guesses would it have taken to say, "Hey, the Falcons have one returning DN from last year. Who is it?" Out of a like, would you? I mean, would you have guessed? No. You'd have been like, "Can I look at a list of guys who played in the league in 2021?" And you still may not can, have guessed enough. Can, can, can I just get a list of names <laughs> of eligible DNs and I just pick one? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Matter of fact, we said, "Listen, make it listen. We could have made, we could have put his name on there like five times, <laughs> and you would have guessed it. Really? Yeah, his name was on there five times, yeah. <laughs> yeah. and you ain't gonna guess it. So uh, that's what that's uphill battles. What yeah, we're saying it is. for the Atlanta Falcons getting after the quarterback. We got more to come. College football is rapidly approaching. Who are some teams poised to take that next jump? We'll get to that next. It's three and out on the Southern Pigskin Radio Network. Hit us up on Twitter at Pigskin Radio. Good to have you back here on 3 and Out. Kevin Thomas, Ben Troop, thanks for being with us. 912-342-7184. Who's the team ready to take that jump in college football, Ben Troop? You look at, uh, obviously, Texas A&M, who <clears throat> bought all their players. Not, didn't do it, according to Jimbo. You have uh, Miami, Oklahoma State, Michigan State. Great piece there on ESPN.com, uh, ESPN Plus. Uh, they're about teams poised to become the elite of college football. So I want to you know, bring that to you, bring it to, to you, the listener out there, uh, at Pigskin Radio on Twitter, or you can message us on Facebook, YouTube, and we can take your thoughts. Obviously, Alabama's there. Ohio State's there. Who else is Georgia's there? Who else is poised to take that jump? Obviously, when you're talking about elite status, I think as the team rolls in, somebody kind of rolls back yeah. naturally. Mm-hmm. And I think... You look at a team like Georgia, and we like to say, who's going to jump in there? I mean, look at how long it took Georgia yeah. to do it. Yeah. And I'm not saying that as a negative. I'm yeah. saying when you went from very good, mm-hmm. Mark Rick had you very good, and you hired Kirby to take you to elite, and it still took Kirby a couple of years to get you into that discussion, and now there's no question. So, I mean, who's knocking on that door? Who can actually take that jump? I, I do think Oklahoma State got a really, really good shot because it's about to get a lot less crowded for them in about a couple of years with Oklahoma and Texas moving on to the SEC. Kevin, another, another, uh, 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 definitely a powerhouse in our time that's kind of, I think USC, because the thing about USC is they were lacking quarterback play, head coaching. Quarterback play, head coach. Take another away from Coach, you know, coach, coach Held in the company you know, at uh, Georgia, Georgia Southern now. I think USC is poised because Utah's winning the Pac-12. Oregon's winning the Pac-12. USC ain't sniffing no Pac-12s right, right, right about now. Now, Texas A&M is interesting, right? It's interesting. All the way Texas A&M is going to take the next step is Nick, is Nick Saban is no longer the head coach because Nick Saban has built up such a powerhouse. I, the SEC is always tricky. The SEC have outliers, like an LSU in 2019. But for but me, again, I wouldn't put LSU in the elite because it was they were up and right back exactly. down, kind of where say, they I were. I say this: the team that got the best shot might be Miami. They might have the best shot because this is the thing about Clemson. Clemson is already up there with the elite, so they have to deal with ten, winning ten wins and think, "Oh, that's an awful season for them." Now that, that's how incredible of you know a run they've been on. But this is the thing about Miami, right? Miami doesn't lack infrastructure. Mario Cristobal just got there. I think he got around $8.5 million to pay all his assistance, right? And it's in the ACC. I'm always looking at, you know, who's going to have 
not the easiest, but a lot less strenuous track to get to that point and maintain. I think it is Miami. Miami has a shot to do it. Now, I think the ACC got more teams that got a shot to do it than other teams, right? Miami got a shot to be a sleeper giant. The next up, right? <sighs> I, don't, I don't like this thing. You know, I hate to give them any credit. If Florida State can figure it out, could they be one of those teams? Because this is the thing. Oklahoma State going to be the only team, you know, in the Big 12, right? USC got to find a way to be Oregon uh, and Utah. I'm sorry. I mean, and, 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 and Oklahoma State, I'm sorry. But then when you start, when you start thinking, because, Kevin, this is the thing about elite status. Elite status is when, when you lose, the college football world is shaking up. That's elite status. When Georgia loses, what? Yep. Alabama loses, what? Clemson, Ohio State. These are the elite teams. Now, love, uh, you know, I, I, I just think that what, what Michigan State is doing right now, I think it's incredible, but can you maintain it? It can't be a, hey, man, this Mel Tucker, Mrs. Tucker, congratulations. <laughs> right, you know what I'm saying? But I, but I think, Kevin, it's like this. Most teams, are, most, most te- listen, if you're talking about second-tier elite status, oh, it's a bunch of those. Oh, we, we can do that all day. Penn State, Michigan State, you know, uh, LSU, Auburn, Florida. Like I said, I think to get into that elite status, somebody's got to roll out of there. I think Miami – Swapping with Clemson could be a possibility, yeah, but it's got to be sustained. Miami, yeah. Miami, but but it's the thing too, right? But the thing about swapping, you got to beat that team you swapping sure, with right. now. Yeah. Like, like you got to beat them. Now, just say, all right, I'll humor Texas A&M for a second. If you are a Jimbo, this is the thing. Well, they if might you, actually benefit when the divisional yeah, stuff if, goes yeah, away. Yeah, so. they're gonna benefit once if you can beat Alabama, right? See, people say if you can beat Alabama, you can beat anybody. But this is the thing. Just because you're chasing somebody, somebody's chasing you too. Like Ole Miss, Miss, they're chasing you too. So when people go, how they lose? Uh, Cause man, like you got different barometers. Like, like, uh, Kentucky's barometer in the East ain't the same as the Florida's, and that and they got a nice arrival. Georgia, Georgia, Georgia's, uh, Georgia's uh, thing in the East ain't the same as Florida's or anybody else's. Because when you're the top dog, no pun intended. You want to make sure you maintain that. But I do think, Kevin, to be elite, it's got to be year in and year out. It's got to be, hey, man, it's, it's, it, you you got to be right now, you got to be that fifth team in the college football. Oh, man, they ain't put them in. That was number five, number five, number five. Because Cincinnati had to do something. Cincinnati is an outlier. Like Cincinnati. Sure. They, I mean, Michigan know, made the college football playoff. I wouldn't, I wouldn't put them in that no, category. No, I, the, 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 te- the teams, the teams, that are elite, everybody knows about them. Meaning, that's the thing about Clemson. Clemson took one year off, essentially, and people just forgot about them. And it's one year. Because the teams that get in every year, they get in. The people like Ohio State didn't get in, that was like crazy to people. Well, yeah, because I believe that uh, Coach Harbaugh had his Coach O moment. He just didn't finish the job. Coach O knew, hey, bro, we don't beat Alabama that much. So why I got a chance to beat them, I'm going to just go ahead and get it done and get the hell out. Because I'm about to lose a lot of guys to the draft. So Michigan might have had their moment. And I think that's what it is, Kevin, because like I said, recruiting is only going to get crazy. That's one thing. If you ain't when's the last time a team that won it all outside of a Cincinnati? Sure. Or, oh, I'm sorry. I, uh, that was in it. When's the last time a team that didn't win out wasn't the top five in recruiting? Really top three, top two, top three. So when people don't think that recruiting is a correlation to winning, so when Texas them go, all right, number one recruiting class coming off a win against Alabama. Can we keep it up? Because what's gonna happen is them boosters are looking. And and that and that and and, and that ink is fresh in that pen to be able to go get certain players. 
But if you lose, they'll be like, wait a minute now. I mean, so I, I just think that um, uh, Miami, USC, Oklahoma State, they got, they got shots to do it because USC, they prime right now. Oklahoma State, I mean, they're a really, really good team, but they can't beat Oklahoma, and they be having, they be having problems with Texas right now. So I just think that, uh, you know, Miami, Oklahoma State, and USC, because everybody else, I go, look, Florida State, they got a lot to deal with. Uh, Texas A&M, I'm sorry, but if the remedy is beating Alabama every year, good luck with that because Nick Saban ain't going nowhere. Nick Saban will say, look, man, obviously I put so much distance between me and number two, but the fact that there is a number two that can see me, meaning I'm way down the road and I'm way down the road, right? but they can see me because they'll compare my six to their one or two. They're like, oh, because they, they had to beat me to do it. So, And plus, I'm the only uh, team right now, coach right now, last time I checked, I've done it with two schools. I wanted LSU and, you know, I wanted Alabama. But that that everybody thinks they won't top tier until you get it. That's like a lot, of in, a lot of robbers in college football, not too many Batmans. It's hard to be in a starting role because, Kevin, you know, you can have a good year. Can you put together consistency? We're going to learn a lot about Clemson in 2022 because if they have another year to where they're not playing in uh, Charlotte, Right. They're gonna be like, is they gonna start saying they're gonna they gonna they gonna say, oh man, it was it wasn't Clemson, it was Trevor, it was Deshaun, it wasn't Clemson, it was these certain players. Which hey, I ain't mad at them. I mean, look at Oklahoma, Kyle. I mean, Kyler Murray, Baker Mayfield, incredible. No Heisman Trophy candidate. The Heisman Trophy candidate you had, right? Not only is no longer Elton, both of them gone. One's at, one's at freaking South Carolina, other's at <laughs> USC. So I, I just think that the quarterback is going to have a lot to do with it too. But a, a top tier ain't for everybody. So you, you might just have to settle for being a really, really good brand. And, again, I, I, again, there are, I think, some teams that have the the constant changing face of college football. I think we'll know more about who's really able to jump into that elite a couple years when you see the SEC change uh, to what they can do and who knows what the rest of college football uh, will look like. But, yeah, I think Oklahoma State might be – I think once Oklahoma and Texas, maybe they're able to up their their cred. I think Oklahoma State is very close. What's holding them back is that one win every year when they seemingly are sitting there, nine, ten wins. Yeah. Hey, we need you to beat Oklahoma, yeah. and you will be there. Up! Or, hey, things are shaping up. You beat Oklahoma, but two weeks ago you blew it to Baylor, and now you're sitting there at 10-2 and two again. And so it's like I, I think they are very, very close. Michigan State, I don't know. I know Mel Tucker's a good coach, yeah. but you are in a side of the conference that's going to be very tough. Very rough. You're, 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 you're on the wrong side, side of, of, of your conference. Not a lot of Minnesotas uh, uh, over there. Not a lot of uh, those kind of schools. Uh, I think Northwestern's on the other side. It's just like you're, you're going through a harder trek with Michigan, Ohio State, and Penn State, I believe, on your side. So I think that's going to be a tougher trek for them to jump to that truly elite status. Texas A&M, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of with you. Uh, because to become elite in the SEC West, as currently constituted, you have to dethrone Alabama, and you can't just do it one year. You're going to have to, when I say dethrone Alabama, you're going to have to do that, right? Not just kick them off the chair and they get back up. you got to just kick them off the chair and not let them sit back down. That's hard to do yeah. right now as currently constituted. we got more to come here. It's 3 and Out all across the Southern Pigskin Radio Network. Good to have you back here on 3 and Out. Rich Stiles will join us next hour, host of the Back Nine Boys Golf Show, U.S. Open, coming up this week. And, of course, it's sparked everybody talking about the LIV, the PGA Tour, and who belongs where and why this one's the best. And my dad can beat up your dad, <laughs> essentially, with what we're, uh, 
we're going back and forth with uh, with some of this. We'll get to that with Rich coming up in just a little bit. Take three next hour as well, Ben. But I know we've been you, you had some crazy videos the last few days. Yesterday it was the anaconda. I don't even want to guess how long that thing was, 15, 20 feet, and some morons in a boat trying to wrestle this thing and get it into the boat. Where you find this stuff, I don't know, but I want to come back to you today. Is there another crazy video that uh, you have seen? We've had orangutans grabbing guys at the zoo. (laughs) I mean, anything weird come across the plate today? Speaking of, uh, you know, speaking of relationships and being in love, sometimes it just don't go the way you want. (laughs) So, you know, I saw the video of this guy. I'm assuming this guy, this lady, and he's getting, out, he's, he's getting, he's, he's taking the stuff out the trunk. It's now, over. Yeah, it's over. I'm, I'm done with you. T- listen, taking the stuff out the trunk in in broad daylight, throwing it on the ground. All of a sudden, the car starts backing up because somebody's in the well, trunk. Well, I was gonna say it doesn't all of a sudden. I mean, um, he, she, he, she starts backing up, trying to hit him, and he gets out the way. He obviously knows this lady. <laughs> then he gets in front of the car. She tries to hit him, and he gets out the way. She runs to the building. Boom! You think it'll be over with? No. She backs up. He starts clowning like, ah, how you trying to hit me? <laughs> so he gets in front of the car, and she tries to hit him again. Boom, hits the same building again. Huge dent. Then yeah. she backs up, gets out of the car. I don't know what she has in his hand. I don't know if she was a track star, but she ran at him, and she caught him, and they was over there, like, tussling on the steps. All I'm going to say is this, man. Look. You know it's over if your yeah, lady let me, let me, let me crashes the car into something yeah. and your first reaction is, ah! I mean, exactly. Yes. Yeah, that's what you get. Yeah. That boy better be lucky he was agile because anybody else, it would have been, man, it's like, look, what makes it crazy is she went back for seconds. Like, <laughs> boom, hit the building. Boom, hit the Trying to hit him, mind you. Try, first, try to back over him and run him over. Then try to hit the building. Try to hit him. Hit the building twice. Then she ran at him. All I'm going to say is, people, look, listen to me, Okay. We got to be careful out there. Yeah. Okay? Like, if you like, break up, it's over. Yeah. Well, look, look. There are some people in this life that say, look. You I want you them, back. You tried yeah, to yeah, run me tell, over. Yeah, no, I want t- you back. You tell them, hey, man, it's over. She say, no, it ain't. Yeah, it is, too. All right. <laughs> Play with me. What? <laughs> I love you so much, I'm going to run you over with the car. I'm going to run you Like when the police get there, what did she say? I tried to hit him and he got out the way. Oh, you mad? I'm mad because he got out the way. Yeah. I love him. I tried to back over him. He got out the way. I tried to hit him twice. Back, you know, and, and I tried to hit him with the hit him with the car twice. All I'm gonna say is, look, the internet is undefeated. Well, I, I like what Kevin ain't seen it yet, and I just show it to you. Go, dude, what? And that was nuts. I'm telling. I, I, look, I saw the guy, and I, I was like, you know, it's over. <laughs> when she just plowed into the side of that building, the car is gonna be jacked up, and he's over there jumping around like ah, like just laughing hysterically. Listen. He's like, that is a guy that. Is out of a relationship. Oh, right? yeah, he, I mean, these guys I mean, like, I'm I mean, done. I mean, I'm done. The great Shannon Sharp said it best. He said, listen, I had a relationship and we was both sick. I was sick of her. She was sick of me. And, <laughs> and, and, and that's what it was. It's like, hey, man, you try to run me over with a car. If that ain't saying it's over, nothing else will. But, I love, but I love you so much. I love so much. <laughs> Come I want to run him over. Come back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know where you find some of this stuff sometimes, but it's like people, so people know, are people losing know, people their minds. Yeah. They just send it to me. I have one. I'll have another one later on today to show you tomorrow, guaranteed. Ben finds the the weird <laughs> videos. I don't. Again, all the ones from across the internet. Ben will find them and he will share them with me every day, and it brings a moment of joy to me, uh, to me each and every day. We got more to come. Take three round the corner. Rich Styles next hour. Scoop B. Brandon Robinson joining us in the final hour. We'll talk some NBA with him as the finals move on to Game Six. I mean, this thing is destined for seven games, right?
We'll break that down. Know. We'll break that down with him in the final hour. It is three and out on the Southern Pigskin Radio Network. Good to have you back. Hour two of three and out. We'll chat with Rich Stiles, host of the Back Nine Boys Golf Show, coming up here in just a little bit. U.S. Open is this week. Of course, everybody's still talking about the Live Tour and Phil and all those guys who are playing on the Live. A lot of them playing for a major this week. And I know that's been a point of contention for a lot of folks of if they get to play over there, do they still get the majors? Well, as of right now, they do. So uh, that's been a lot of talk. We'll talk to Rich Stiles about that coming up a little bit later this hour. But, Ben, first, let's take three, shall we, here on three and out. All right, take one, Ben. Steph Curry had zero three-pointers last night. I think it's the first time in a long time in the playoffs he has not had a single three-point basket. He had zero three-pointers in game five. Should the Celtics be worried about game six? Oh, absolutely they should, because, Kevin, they're evolving in front of our eyes, right? I know we get caught up in, oh, Steph Curry, he has to win the MVP to help his legacy. No, 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 no. He can add to his legacy. His legacy is already cemented. He's the greatest shooter of all time. And think about how much pressure that takes off of him or what we know him for. He don't even got to do it, and they still win. Steph Curry, I mean, I can speak with Steph Curry tired as hell. Steph Curry, like, <laughs> look, man, y'all, y'all I, think about it, Kevin. He's not the biggest dude. So but you're getting sh- two full days off. Yeah, now. yeah, but, but I will say, how much more dangerous, like, think about it. When when the Celtics did beat Steph Curry and come, they beat them at shooting the three. That's how they got back in the game and won. Then, obviously, they got a game at home. Steph Curry is deferring to his teammate, and I'm not talking about Draymond. I'm not talking about Andre Iguodala. I'm not talking about Clay. That would be Andrew Wiggins. So it makes them a much more dangerous team. That's like a passing team that beats you running the ball. Right? It's, it's like going out there and saying, this is what you guys ain't even beat us at what you do. No, because I do more than that. Steph Curry is showing, I'm, a te- I'm the best player on this team, arguably the best player in this series. But, when I st- but, but y'all forgot, I distribute the rock. I create my own shot. If I'm the best at 18 feet, what do you, you think I'm good at 17, 16, 15? Getting to the rack. So if you are the Celtics, the only thing helping you is you going back to the garden. But if you don't want them popping bottles in, in Boston, <laughs> you might want to. You might want to make I sure. I think you, Draymond wants to. Oh, Dray, oh, Draymond, oh, Draymond. The post game press conference. If if the if the Warriors do indeed win, it's going to be epic for a one Draymond. But Draymond actually played better uh, in Game Five as well, man. I mean, obviously he, you know, his impact is is, is different because he's he he impacts the game without having to score through like assists and rebounds and just being the heart and soul of the team. But yes, Kevin, to your question, yes, if. You are these Celtics. You are going. You are, you probably on. The, you're probably back in Boston by now, saying, "Dude, he hit one three, not one. He ain't even attempt one." So that's just showing. That's that's showing that veteran experience, Kevin. We talked about going. Is the young legs versus experience? And experience means I got other tools in the toolbox. But make no mistake about it, that will not be the case yeah. come Game Six. He 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 he, he already getting that show to iced up right now. Yeah, I just look at it as like, uh oh, like he did not have a great game shooting in Game Five. That usually doesn't stick around too long, right? When you when you when you have all time great players, they usually don't go two three games where they have an off night. So I would be extremely worried if I'm the Boston Celtics. Plus, what are you going to do with all them shirts you handed out last time with the empty banner on the back? Do you hand out other shirts and say, "Well, I guess it stays empty"? <laughs> I mean, what what do you do? Do you hang do you hang one up in the rafters uh, that that that's just empty? What, I mean, I mean, I, that's why I say don't do stuff like yep, that yep. when the series isn't over. 
Don't be like, hey, man, here's a shirt with all our titles. Oh, there's one that doesn't have a year on it yet. I guess if you print it too many, you can always bring it back the next time you're in the finals. Be like, oh, we got an empty one. I mean, I guess. Don't, yeah. do stu- don't do stuff like that. Yeah, you had one thing to do and you didn't do it. That's why I said, don't, yeah. don't, you don't, listen, you don't poke the bear. You don't give a team like the Warriors ammunition. And, Kevin, you know, just like I know, whoever, whoever's a part of, whoever's over that, and you know, if they don't win, they're going to be like, I told you not to put, did I tell you not to put the one on there? Because <laughs> anything outside of the game to blame it on. But Celtics, y'all y'all know what the assignment is. That doesn't mean you're going to complete the assignment come game six. That's right. Hey, moving along, take two. Ben, the Braves have won 12 in a row. They go for 13 tonight. Super hard to do, obviously, in Major League Baseball. You go to college basketball. I think the uh, UCLA Bruins won, what, 88 in a row with John Wooden and Bill Walton and those guys. I think the NFL, you had, what, the Patriots went 17 or 18 and 0 before they lost uh, in the Super Bowl. So take two, Ben. What, in your estimation, is the hardest sport to maintain a winning streak in? Team, I'll say team sport. What is the hardest sport? To put a street together like that, it's all, it's always gonna be it's always gonna be football for so many moving parts. Baseball is a game of momentum. Basketball, you know, it's a game of just elite talent versus like subpar talent. Football, you could throw out the previous week. How do I know? The 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 star-studded Buffalo Bills, first-team All Pros on offense, and Josh, you know, for, uh, uh, sure. MVP candidate like uh, Josh Allen. A first-team all pros like uh you know like like Stephon Diggs, they scored six points against Jacksonville, six. And and the thing about it is is Kevin is there's a reason why there's only been one undefeated season in the NFL, one. And I mean you know people say well, that's regular season, that's all the games. That'll be the seventy-two Dolphins. You're gonna have teams put streaks together, but then you you start saying to yourself there are no easy wins in football. And they like the Braves. You say, hey, man, if they, Kevin, you, it's like you say, look, if they do this thing right, man, they they, they going up against some really, really bad teams. And elite teams in baseball can expose bad teams in baseball. Bad teams in football can expose elite teams in football. A bad team can expose you because in baseball, it's such a long season. You say, well, look, man, we ain't we going to play hard because it's our job. But, I mean, we know how this ends. In football, you get 17 opportunities. And my livelihood is on the line 17 times a year. So, yeah, we bad, but if we bad but we be the good team, they're going to be questioning themselves. We know we bad over here. But <laughs> so, I, so, I, so I, I think that it's always going to be football because when teams lose, it's always a head scratch. You start saying, dude, they couldn't do nothing today. And you're talking about the good team. They couldn't do anything. Right. The Falcons, for example. They won seven games last year. You know, forget the fact they lost a bunch of games. You think, who they beat? Exactly. The Falcons are the reason why the Saints didn't go to the playoffs because they beat the Saints the first time at their place. So when the Saints beat them at home in the regular season, at the end of the year, they're like, sorry, y'all lost to the Falcons. What? So it's always going to be football, Kevin, because you got game plans, you got trends, you got uh, good quarterback play, you got good, uh, you know, good offense, good defense, good offensive line, get exposed. I mean, if you are the Buffalo Bills, you are saying to yourself, do we score six points against Jacksonville? They had, what, three wins? We was one of them. If you are the Colts running through the AFC at one point, Jonathan Taylor, best running back in football. We got to beat the Jags. Nope. <laughs> Sit home. Think about that. That's crazy, right? So I think it's always going to be football because everybody in baseball can't hurt you. Everybody in basketball can't. And football, anybody can hurt you. 
It could be a guy with just just got this running back. I can't remember. I can't remember who the running back was. I'm gonna find it. But he played. I think he played at USC. He got to play for New England. He had five touchdowns in one game. He missed. He was late to a meeting on Monday. Got cut. I mean, uh, uh, I want to say uh, Bill Belichick. Like, who you think, boy? This still the Patriots. So for me, it's always gonna be football, Kevin. Because like I said, as much as we the analytics inside the numbers. You know, 34% pass rush rate. Doesn't matter. Anybody can beat you. Them streaks coming to an end. Look, I, I, I would say I agree with you football because it's, it's it's really 22 on 22 because it can't just be our offense is good. Your defense has to play well. And it can't be just, hey, we have a great defense and your offense doesn't give them any help. I think in, in basketball, I think you can ride one one or two guys for a long time, and especially in matchup problems. Like, look, mid-90s Bulls, right? You have Michael Jordan and Scotty. Most nights you win the matchup, even if they are a little tired. Now I think with load management stuff, it might be a little harder to get streaks in the NBA, but I still think basketball's there. Baseball, to me, I don't care who you're playing, and I know a lot of people are knocking the uh, the Braves for who they're playing right now, but this is what you're supposed to do. And even if you're playing who you're playing, what did we say, Ben, when you go through this stretch? If you could go, what, 15-5, and five, that might be good. You're 13, you're 12 and 0. Going for 13, that is hard. And oh, by the way, for all the Mets fans saying, tell me about that easy schedule. You have seven games with the Pirates in September. And I think a uh, matchup with the Miami Marlins in there. So get back to me about uh, easy schedules in uh, in September. But baseball, I think it's, it's hard to keep a streak like this going because, Ben, Braves are on a roll. If you have a great starting pitcher, take the bump tonight, it's over. Right? I mean, it could be over just like that. And it's not because all of a sudden you turn bad. It's just dude is dominating. Right? You got dominating stuff. It's going to happen. So I think football is so tough because it takes 22 guys playing together day in, day out. And I think that's why most of the time a six or seven game win streak in the National Football League sometimes is very impressive. Because as you said, any given week, one bad matchup can ruin the whole thing uh, at the end of the day. All right, moving along. Speaking of, you talk about great coaches in Belichick. I saw a story, Ben, that it was Sean Payton reportedly was going to be offered like 100 mil from the Dolphins. Well, I got to say, just offhand, between the live and NFL, the word 100 mil getting thrown around awful casually these days. <laughs> it's like, this is 100 mil. I mean, hey, Kevin, last time I but, checked my number, your number, it ain't changed. I know. Hey, Call us. Hit me up. <laughs> 100 mil, I'll take it. But no, going to give Sean Payton 100 mil. It obviously didn't happen. I think they were trying to get him to land Tom Brady as well. But obviously, Sean Payton's still in demand to coach in the National Football League. So, Ben, take three. Who is the best head coach in the National Football League? And I'll let you define that how you want. But, I mean, I don't think it's just a guy that wins a lot, although they are good. I mean, I, I look at a great head coach as somebody who's like, hey, you put him on that team, he's going to win. You put him on that team, he's going to win. Who's the best head coach in the NFL right now? Mike Tomlin. Mike no Tomlin, hesitation, right no, there. No hesitation. I, I know. What about Bill Belichick? What about you know uh, what you know you you see you see what uh, you know you see what Andy Reid and uh, you see what Sean McVay is doing. That's been three coaches in the history of the of the of the Pittsburgh Steelers. The thing about the, 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 what says uh, what says Mike Tomlin the part is he's never had a losing season. Never. And they've certainly been in rebuilding exactly. mode yeah, at times. Exactly. Yeah. Now. The, the Cavs and characters have changed. Yeah, he don't got the 12 bottle models no more in that defense, right? 
He's had Ben Roethlisberger most, you know, all of, all of his years. But the model of consistency. I mean, you go from Jerome, you know, Jerome Bettison, Faz Willie Parker, and Heinz Ward, and Antoine Randall, and Plexigo Burris, and Antonio Brown, Le'Veon Bell. Win, 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 win. And that's the thing, right? The reason why, well, the reason why teams go get guys in Pittsburgh, because they know they're coming from a winning culture. They know they are. Mike Tomlin has Mike Tomlin had Le'Veon Bell, Antonio Brown, and Ben Roethlisberger on the same team, and they still won. That that type of personality on the team, they still <laughs> That's won. That's a lot. That's a lot to deal <laughs> it with. It certainly right? is. Right. Yeah. That's a lot to deal with. And what did what did it, I know? Antonio Brown went on to go play for uh, Tampa Bay and won the Super Bowl, but that was more of the cast of characters around him. When Le'Veon Bell left Pittsburgh, it wasn't the same. Went to the Jets, walked away from sixteen million dollars because on those type of points you proven. I walked away from that type of money. But the thing about Mike Tomlin is, Mike Tomlin said, look, <clears throat> I'm going to win no matter who I have. I understand what the standard is in Pittsburgh. He didn't, I mean, now, now, make no mistake about it. He had no slouch. Ain't like Ben Roethlisberger. I'm going to be right. a, uh, a, uh, a Well, you know, I mean, a, name, a any of, name any of those guys. who. I mean, that's, that's one thing I hate when you get into arguments and they're like, yeah, well, I mean, how good is Bill Belichick without Tom Brady? Uh... Uh, they seem to be okay. Yeah, and 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 I I think I think I think the thing that Mike Tomlin does better than anybody else is manages personalities. Like, yes, I have to coach the team. Yes, I set the I set the standard for the team. I set the standard, and the players drive the standard. But I know how to deal with different guys. I got Le'Veon Bell in my starting court running back, and I got Antonio Brown as my starting receiver. I know how to handle both of those dudes. And when it went bad, it went bad. But when you think about Pittsburgh is, when I think about the AFC North, yes, I know about the Ravens and the defense and Lamar Jackson. Yes, I mean, Cincinnati and what they've done as of late, you know, with Joe Burrow and, and you know, Jamar Chase and company. The Cleveland Browns, I mean, they got Deshaun Watson now with, you know, with guys like, you know, Miles Garrett and uh, Jadavion Clowney. They ain't Pittsburgh. They are not Pittsburgh. And – and, Kevin, like you said, too, when you start thinking about what it takes to be consistent in any league, it's how much can we keep a team together, starting with the head coach. Starting with the head coach. When I have a head coach that's been there long, that has gone through different – because think about it. Mike Tomlin been coaching so long, yeah, Twitter, Instagram did not exist when he first got the job. When he first got the job in Pittsburgh, we had cell phones. We didn't have smartphones. We had TVs, now we got flash screens. They were not flash screens when he first got the head coaching job. So I think that what 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 we're seeing now is the evolution of coaching. When you say, hey, how the evolution of coaching is how a head coach adjusts. Can he adjust? And he can. I mean, he went from he went from having privacy in the locker room, the TikTok videos being Facebook Live, all kind of stuff. He went from Heinz Ward. Plexico Burris, uh, you know, Emmanuel Sanders to Juju Smith-Schuster to Chase Claypool. This is who we got. Najee Harris, uh, you know, Fryer Muth and company. So I think, Kevin, I, listen, I, I, Bill Belichick is definitely a close second. Sean McVay's and Andy Reid's are up there, too. I'm not, I'm not taking away what guys do, right? But if I, but if I, but since I've been in the NFL, that, that would be like this: if if he if he's if he's at a company, I'm your top salesman because I'm I've never had a down sales year. Now guys have sold more than me certain years, right? But this is the thing: we we it goes back to what I said, Kevin. 
But you ask me who's the most underrated quarterback in NFL, I said, I said, you know, it's Aaron Rodgers. Because if he's that great of a talent, which he is, you've been in one Super Bowl. And the Super Bowl they won was against who? Pittsburgh. That was their third Super Bowl. Think about that. That's the one they won. So the one that Aaron Rodgers won is the worst Super Bowl that Ben Roethlisberger played in. He played it. So Ben Roethlisberger played in three and lost one. Aaron Rodgers played in one. So who got the better end? Of the, who got the better end of the deal? Now I'm pretty sure if it would have came up, you want to trade that, which I don't know if that kind of <laughs> stuff came up. But I, I, I think I think for me, I think it's Mike Tomlin. I think he does an incredible job. And like I said, Pittsburgh has one thing uh, that nobody else has, and you know, and that's you know, and and that's making sure that man stability. Starting from the sure. top. So, we already know. I mean, I can't tell you who's going to be the head coach of the Rams in five years. I can tell you who's going to be the head coach of Pittsburgh. It's going to be Mike Tomlin because they only had three. So, and shout out to him, man. Getting it done. Yeah. I I also like the hardball at the Ravens. I think he does a good oh, job. Very, very good. Very, very, very good. Again, different. They always seem to draft well. Always seem to have his team in the mix. I know you could say, hey, well, Cleveland and Cincinnati are in your division. They were really bad. Or, or, or was it because Pittsburgh and, and Baltimore are really good? I think it was kind of the latter that Pittsburgh and Baltimore are really, really good at the end of the day. But, yeah, I like that. I like Mike Tall, uh as, as the choice there. Best coach in the National Football League. We got more to come here. Braves tonight against the Nationals going for 13 in a row. We'll talk about the loss of Ozzie Albies. Rich Stiles is going to join us in about 15 minutes. We're talking U.S. Open with him. It's three and out on the Southern Pigskin Radio Network. Good to have you along here, three and out. All across the Southern Pigskin Radio Network, Kevin Thomas, Ben Troop. Glad you're making us a part of your day. We'll talk to Rich Stiles coming up here in just a little bit. U.S. Open this week. A lot of eyeballs, a lot of questions being thrown at uh, Phil Mickelson as he is off the live tour into the USGA this week for the U.S. Open. We'll talk to Rich about that coming up here in just a little bit. But, Ben, let's go to the phones. You know who it is. It's our guy, A.C. He wants to talk about uh, the Braves here. A.C., what's up? Hey, thank you so much for taking my call. How you guys doing? Hey, man, we're doing good. Perfect. Well, Atlanta Braves, they won 12 games in a row. How many more games they get to win until they collapse? I mean, come on, they're like the New York Mets. Sooner or later, they have to collapse, right? And I've been checking out your videos on YouTube. Come on, guys. I don't want that much attention. I know I'm the main event, but come on now. You're putting a lot of pressure on me. And guess what, guys? I welcome the pressure. You know, I love you. Okay, see you later. (laughs) Ace, what are you talking about? A collapse? They're the defending World Series champs. What are you talking about? I don't know. AC, I appreciate it. You were talking fast, so I had to make sure I understood you. And if you're watching me on the, on the YouTube, I'll give you a smile. Hey, listen. The, I, I, they've won 12 in a row. I'm not, I'm not going to sit here and say, hey, they're going to win 20 in a row. The best month they ever had was 21-5 and five back in 2002. So they're on a streak right now. I don't know how long it's going to go, but they're playing great baseball. Collapse? Uh, there's only been one just utter collapse mm-hmm. that I remember in the, po- in the regular season by the Braves. And that was kind of late 20, 2000s, like 2009, 10. They were up like eight and a half games September 1. He said, how long, yeah. how many can they win before they collapse? Yeah, no, 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 they were up eight games, eight and a half games, I think. September 1 didn't make the playoffs, lost the division. That was a collapse. I don't see one happening here. Uh, I think they're taking advantage of a nice run. I think losing Ozzy always hurts, but I do think this is a team that has the pitching and other guys in the lineup. A collapse is not going to happen. This is not the match we're talking about. Come on. 
AC, a injury a minute. I mean, Max Scherzer got bit by his dog. He don't even like the Mets. <laughs> Did you not see that? Uh-uh. Max Scherzer was doing like a thing. Like he and his wife were like doing a social media thing about, you know, adopting dogs and all that. And apparently Matt, Max Scherzer's dog bit him on the hand. Bert? <laughs> what if Max Scherzer's so dog Max Scherzer's dog's like, I don't even like the Mets, Max. And I was about to say, Max Scherzer's dog don't like the Mets. He likes the Braves. I mean, they were watching the Braves. Like, I don't want to turn. And he turned it off. He's like, is that dog? I'm going to bite you. I think Max's like, dog is called Acuna. You know what I'm saying? Ma- Ma- no. No, no, no. I mean, Max's dog told him, I like winners. What? <laughs> 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 He's like, that Max, this wasn't like when we were with the Washington Nationals. We were, we were. I mean, what's up? Get it done. You know, you, I mean, you know, money ain't money always everything, you know? You, you can't, you know. I don't, were you were you part of the Subway series? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I get it. Well, you know, Max is still on the injured list, but I'm sure getting bit by your own dog, not helping things. And no. I would think that if you're doing a TikTok, you should say, listen, that, that ain't the one you should have posted, but I guess it was live. Like, ow! Mm-hmm. <laughs> TikTok over with. Uh, you know. Was it his throwing hand? I don't know. The, the dog bit him on the hand. That's all I know. I didn't see any video. Or pay. I understand his own dog bit Max Scherzer. Said, not today, Max. We're not coming back anytime soon. So... Speaking of not coming back anytime soon, this is a horrible transition. <laughs> the collapse is not coming, though. It's AC. not. It's not. Ozzy Albies, though, Braves, I don't think fully disclosed what the injury was other than a foot fracture. But today they put him on the 60-day IL, so he's done for two months. How do you replace that? Uh, I don't. Well, let me say this. I don't think you do, Kevin. I think I because he means more than just what he what he did for the ball club. I mean, you talk about the heart and soul uh, of the ball club. Definitely, de- definitely, definitely uh, uh, the heart and soul of that infield. When you think about him and Olsen and Swanson and Riley, but if you're RCA, you you got to go out there and say to yourself, "Look, man, this is a prime spot," and an infield that a year a year removed from being the the greatest infield we've ever seen statistically for the Braves. Now you add Olsen. And I and I think too though it's it's how Arcia really really handles the handles the moment because obviously he had that walk off that which was beautiful but Kevin filling in ain't the same thing as all right you're like you gonna be the guy don't ask me am I in the lineup you're in the lineup every day for the next sixty days okay and but I but I do I do think certain guys you know just got to go out there man let the game come to you because you think about this break I mean look Michael Harris they threw him in the lineup. I mean, every day. No, 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 no. No triple A. No double A. Come on. And look at him. And I think the thing about it is, Kevin, it, it, let me know if I'm wrong. There is there is no, all you're going to get is on, on the, you know what, on the diamond training. Get your behind out there and let's do You in the bigs. And, and this thing, when you're sitting watching, waiting on your opportunity, that's how fast it comes. Now, you don't want it to be because of an injury, but usually that's how it comes, unless you're a pitcher. They get you know sometimes they just ain't got stuff. They'll, they'll send them down to get you, send them down to sell them down to bring them back up. But if you are, I mean, you're an everyday starter like a guy like Ozzy, all star. I mean, I know we talk so much about oh yeah, you know how how well guys. Ozzy is one of those guys that just find a way to figure it out. But you know, RCA, hey, find a way to get in there. You're not. I know he's gonna have to get you to answer questions about Ozzy for the <laughs> next week and a half. And you know, and him and Snit, but yeah. I, I think they'll be just fine. We've got more to come. We'll come back. We're talking golf. U.S. Open this week. A lot of questions about Phil and others playing there with the USGA. We'll hit that next with Rich Stiles on 3 and Out on the Southern Pigskin Radio Network. 
USGA takes over this week. It's the U.S. Open uh, going on uh, on the uh, professional ranks. So not a PGA Tour event, not a live golf event. The USGA is in control, and they said, hey, as of right now, these guys can play if they qualify, which a lot of them have. Phil's been getting a lot of questions this week, and joining us here to talk about that and much, much more, the host of the Back Nine Boys Golf Show, which you can catch Saturday and Sunday mornings at 8 a.m. Rich Stiles joins us here on 3 and Out. Rich, welcome. How are you? I'm just tired of talking about the LIV tournament, guys. Well, I mean, a lot of people say they are, but it seems like the uh, the PGA Tour guys have taken out the, uh, the pettiness uh, this week and won't let it go. Yeah. Well, I mean, the media wants to talk about it. The media wants to find out why they're not going or what they think of the guys who did go. I think Kepka summed it up. He said, guys, this is the U.S. Open. Let's talk about the U.S. Open. Let's not talk about, uh, you know, the majority of the conversation, which has been about the uh, live golf tour. Um, you know, and John Rahm, I think, put it great. He said, I want to play against the best people in the world. I want, I'm, I'm competitive. You know, a shotgun three days is not a golf tournament. No cut, it's that simple. Uh, I want to play against the best, and the best is not there. The best is here on the PGA Tour. And, Rich, but how many of those guys are even, uh, you know, watching what's going on in the live tournament, seeing the type of money being given out? Obviously, uh, you know, I don't think they made uh, the wrong decision by sticking with the PGA. They, they, they look at it as more of a moral issue, said, I, I want to stick with who I came here with. But that money has to be enticing to certain guys who turned it down the more, the more this thing goes on. Well, hey, money talks, and they're taking the money. I mean, let's face it. If somebody offered an exorbitant amount of money to any one of us to – go over there and play eight events and uh, no cut. You're guaranteed to even make more money. Uh, I don't think any one of us would ever turn it down. So right now they're going for the money. They're ignoring what is behind the organization that is putting it on and putting up the money. Uh, But these pros, these 17 players, and now a few more that are going, um, you know, they're, they're going for the money. Uh, but right now, it's it's kind of like a pro-am. It's, it's kind of like a member guest. Uh, you know, there's maybe 10 or 12, maybe 15 at the most out of the 48 players that are, you know, worldly ranked. And uh, I just think it's going to be something that's going to change here in the next few months. Uh, and we're going to see more organizations like the USGA, the RNA, uh, the DP World Tour uh, fall behind and support the PGA Tour. Again, it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. And Rich, I know we could talk about this, you know, till the cows come home as far as the the Live Tour and and how it's going to uh, to move forward. But right. it's already started. How do you think Phil will will be received? Because I get the I I, I, I get the uh, the reasons why people don't agree with it. It seems like the media certainly is backing the PGA's narrative uh, when it comes to uh, advancing the story. But how many golf fans are going to be sticking it to, to DJ and Phil Mickelson while they're out there playing the U.S. Open this week? I think you're going to see some very vocal fans, uh, similar to a Ryder Cup or a President's Cup, uh, who are going to be more vocal with you know guys like that that have made that move to either resign the PGA Tour or not resign the PGA Tour, but chose to go over to the uh, live tour for money. Uh, I think you're going to find that the fans are upset. Uh, the fans, I mean, they, yes, they will have some support, uh, 
Uh, but Justin Thomas, I think, put it a good way. Do I agree with the decision these guys have made? No. Uh, but I can understand it. It doesn't mean that I don't like him. It doesn't mean that I won't talk to him. He made a decision which is best for him and his family. And, uh, you know, I have to go along with that. Uh, but my job right now and my support is with the PGA Tour. Well, I mean, but to that end, that's kind of, you know, my, my point is how many golf fans are truly, you know, hacked off about their decision to go take life-altering money? I mean, I know they, a lot of people say, hey, they make uh, this and that, but I've, you know, social media, not a great barometer, but it seems at least on there, it's 50-50. It is, hey, these guys, you know, are going there taking the Saudi money. It's a cash grab. They shouldn't be doing it. It's this, it's that. And then you have the other side that said, well, if we really want to dig into money and its relationships with business, uh, you know, deals, PGA Tour might want to be checking itself uh, there as well. And you can't fault the guys to, for taking money. I mean, it seems to be kind of 50-50. I, I just wonder how much on-course blowback you think we'll see. Because golf, unlike a lot of sports, you really don't go there to boo, right? I mean, you go there to watch the game, you don't see a lot of, hey, you stink, uh, uh, and, and other things being thrown out at golfers. And if that happens, usually they'll take you out and tell you to go home. Well, I think you're going to find that some golfers are, or some fans are going to be very vocal. Um, uh, they don't like the decision. Uh, they're, they're not for the LIV. They support the PGA Tour. They're upset that these guys are not going to play. Um, uh, yes, we do know that they went for money. We need to move on. They went for the money. They've made the decision. They've signed either two, three, or four-year contracts, um, and uh, they're going to be there. Uh, I, I did see a comment by Phil Mickelson that he, you know, would like to continue to play in some of the majors and stuff like that um, and still play on the PGA Tour, which is not going to happen. So I think, you know, Phil is, is, is still re- regretting a lot of the things, as he said himself, Uh, but bottom line is um, Bill's going to have to live with his decisions. And, uh, you know, the fans, uh, I'm, I'm pretty sure the fans are not in his favor right now. And, Rich, when you talk about the world we live in now to where, you know, all publicity ain't good publicity, all news ain't good news, where, where, where is golf right now? I mean, I know if you're talking about the PGA versus the, the Live Tour, you got Rory speaking out. You know, you got guys like Dustin Johnson that come to speaking out. Where is golf? You know, as a whole right now, when, when essentially you got some of the best players kind of going at each other. I think golf's in a very good place right now. Um, I mean, if you look at the ratings on uh, uh, CBS for Sunday's final of the RBC, it was one of the highest they've had all year, uh, probably uh, comparable uh, to the Sunday Masters. I think golf is in a very good place right now. Um, yes, controversy. Uh, but what would our world be like if we didn't have controversy in some sport about something um, other than what we've heard and seen about politics? Absolutely. Rich, uh, with all of the, the distractions that are going on, and you talked about the comments of uh, guys saying, look, this is distracting us from the fact that this is a major golf championship. Who puts all that aside, do you think, and, and plays well? Oh, I think uh, these guys on the PGA Tour will. I mean, uh, I think Justin Thomas, I think Rory, I think, you know, a lot of the guys uh, still on the tour are going to put it aside. This is the U.S. Open. Uh, DJ's got to be able to do that. Phil, I'm not so so sure that he will be able to put it aside because I don't think he felt like he was going to get grilled by the media like he was. Um, There's a lot of people, as I said, 
before that are upset with Phil for going over to the LIV tour. So I think the guys are going to be concentrating. This is a U.S. Open. This is a major. They're going to be fine. They're going to play this game. And if not, they're not going to make the cut, and they won't be there on the weekend. And Rich, I mean, when I think about guys, when I think about golf, obviously you got the casual golf fan. You always trying to gain uh, new fans. I mean, how how does this help grow the game of golf? I know you mentioned earlier you think golf is in a really really good place. You always trying to go the game, grow the game. You always trying to grow the reputation and the and the prestige and the mystique of golf. How do you think the casual golfer, golf fan who's trying to get into golf? How do you think they're taking on everything's going on? Well, uh, it does keep golf in the news. So, uh, you know, there's a lot about golf that's in the news. Um, not necessarily great publicity, uh, the battle between, you know, what's going on with the tour and the LIV. But one of the biggest, two of the biggest things that are growing in golf are junior golf and women. And so those are two big areas that are growing. Um, and I still think golf is in a great place. Rich Stiles joining us here on 3 and Out, host of the Back Nine Boys Golf Show. And, Rich, finally, tell us about the, the I mean, what a name, the country club uh, to be playing the USGA's uh, U.S. Open this week. Yeah, talk about a clever name. It's like, what should we call this? Should it be da-da-da, da-da-da? Let's just call it a country club. Uh, great course. Uh, you know, it, it, it's going to play difficult. It's going to be U.S. Open-type uh, conditions, uh, probably heavy rough. Uh, fast greens, undulating greens, uh, narrow fairways. Uh, it's going to be very U.S. Open uh, play, and uh, I think it's going to be difficult. I don't think we're going to see 20-25 under winning it. I think it'll probably be maybe in the high, you know, maybe under 10, or if not, maybe just over 10 or 12 is going to win this tournament. Rich Stiles, host of the Back Nine Boys Golf Show, our guest here on 3 Not Rich, always a pleasure. Thanks much. All right, guys. Have a great day. Appreciate it. Rich Styles joining us here on 3 and 9. Kind of an interesting uh, take there when we talked about, hey, it is the U.S. Open. It is a major. But he thinks there's going to be some people, you know, showing up to show out. And I don't mean uh, the golfers. I mean the fans. Showing up to show out and really stay on top of guys like Phil, like Dustin Johnson, and others who they view as, uh, you know, jumping ship for the money or for whatever reason – uh, they have. I, golf's normally not like that, Ben. Yeah. I, that's why I think this is going to be interesting. Obviously, again, Rich said, I don't think Phil expected to be grilled by the media. I mean, what, has Phil not lived his life the last month? Like, yeah. Did you not think you were I mean, everybody got suspended at the first tee shot last week. You don't think you are going to get any questions when half you cats came and showed up at the U.S. Open? Like, come on. But, I mean, I, you knew that was coming. You knew that was coming. I just wonder how it translates on course and how they receive. Because as I said, if they don't feel it from the fans, I, I don't think they care if the media is like grilling them about it. Quite honestly. Yeah, and the the, the fans drive sports, no, no matter what sport it is. And Kevin, I mean, you could be essentially being able to see in like something new. Because I will say this. A lot of fans go with what the group is doing. You always have fans that want to do things, but they don't want to be the outlier, especially with the you know the age of social media, things going viral and you getting kicked out. But I think for the casual, traditional, you know, uh, life loving, lifelong uh, golf fan, sometimes you speaking for all you know for more than yourself, saying, "Look, man, this stuff is unacceptable." I, I get <laughs> it, but I mean, but that's that usually you don't do it. like baseball. And oh, Michael yeah. Harris was like, "Hey, there were some dudes out there in the outfield telling me I sucked, and I hit a home run. It was fine." But you, even at peak Tiger Woods, right? 
Tiger Woods had his detractors. Mm -hmm. People didn't like Tiger Woods. I don't remember people at the golf tournament going, Tiger, you suck. Like, that's just usually not what you do. At a golf like at, at a golf tournament, it's like, if I don't really care for a guy, I don't like Patrick Reed or his attitude, guess what? I go over to the next hole, I watch yeah. somebody else. You don't sit there and heckle and boo. You get thrown out for, at, at a golf. That's just usually how it goes. I'm interested to see like if, if in between shots, is it just relenting? Is it every single hole? Like somebody's like, hey, Phil, let me hold something. Like, just throwing stuff about the money and this uh, at those guys. Dustin Johnson, others, is it that kind of, or is it if it's a regular golf court crowd, and I think those guys internalize it and say, hey, the media is going to do what they do. And obviously, I got to play the major, which at the end of the day is what those guys want. Like I said, you could sell me on the Canadian Open, Rory McElroy. I'm sorry. Phil wants to play Augusta, U.S. Open, and in the, the Open Championship uh, in, in Britain. I, I, I don't think they care if they miss the greater Dallas. Yeah. I, or, like, I, I just don't think they care about that. Yeah. They, they're getting paid to go play whatever it is they're going to play uh, on the Live Tour and getting paid more than they could ever make on the PGA Tour to do it. And again, I just think the more the fan reaction is there, maybe it weighs on some of those guys. But if it's just, hey, it's a golf course, and while I'm on the golf course, I'm, for lack of a better word, been protected, mm-hmm. if that makes sense, i.e., if people ride me too much, I can just go to security and say that guy needs to go. Yeah. Um, then I don't know. I don't. I don't know if it's going to have a whole big impact. It, it could. It could, Kevin. Listen, if, 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 if I, I, you do owe it to the fans, even if for at a, at, a, at a, you know, to a certain extent. And if the fans are showing their displeasure, all right, rightfully so. Because Kevin, think about this. Tiger Woods was booed more, and I am not condoning what him, you know, and his now ex-wife, what he, you know, uh, what he was doing. But he got booed for things that had nothing to do with golf, <laughs> right? If but we, not, but on the golf course, you usually don't do that, of right? Course, of course they, they, you don't. Like, but I, but I will say, Kevin, sometimes you know, we, it's a wait and see type thing. It, it's really gonna, it's really gonna be determined upon what the people around you doing, like. You know, if you see somebody, you know, like jumping on the field during the you know the football game, and you got to catch them. That's one thing, but that's one person. Now, if a whole section did it, <laughs> that would be that would be totally different. I think you're gonna have some outliers, but sometimes, you know, if they if you have a couple of booze, if it ain't gonna take long, because you know the the reputation yeah. of these golf courses are, are the biggest thing. Hey, we got more to come here. It is three and out on the Southern Pigskin Radio Network. We'll talk some NBA coming up in the final hour. Also, the Braves going for 13 in a row. No collapse coming, AC, who called and asked about the, uh, about the collapse. Scoop B. Robinson uh, will join us, NBA insider for Bally Sports, also Scoop B. Radio. Uh, he will join us in the final hour. We'll talk about uh, the NBA Finals with him. Can the Celtics come back and force a Game 7? If you're a conspiracy theorist, Ben, you would say absolutely they will. Because it must go seven games, right? I, ho- I hope so. At the end of the day, Kevin, I mean, it's been, it's been exciting. But, <laughs> hey, Jason Tatum, we hope you're ready for the big times. NBA loves game sevens. That's all I'll say. <laughs> <laughs> and Boston, if you win the next two games, you just fill in that blank banner and pin. Or what do you do? I mean, if you have one of the shirts, what do you do if you don't win? Now you have a shirt with just a blank could have been championship on the back. Got to win the next two. We'll come back. We'll talk about it. It's three and out. All across the Southern Pigskin Radio Network. Hit us up on Twitter at Pigskin Radio. We're streaming live at ESPNCoastal.com and on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube.
Good to have you back. Here it is, three and out, final hour of the show as we count you down towards the Braves and the Nationals. Braves going for the Baker's Dozen, 13 in a row if they can get it done tonight. We'll count you down, 550 pregame coverage for the Braves and Nationals from our nation's capital. We'll hear from uh, Brandon Scoopy Robinson coming up this hour as well, Ben. NBA insider, Bally Sports, also Scoopy Radio. So uh, he'll join us. We'll talk some NBA finals. But last night, Warriors win it. They go up 3-2. Game six coming up on Thursday night. Uh, ben, and we joked about it. I mean, is this thing going seven games? I feel like the conspiracy theorist. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot. There's a lot of us in sports, right? Oh, the NBA, oh, it's going. Uh-huh. It's going seven games. Why? Because uh-huh. they need that cheese. Like, I don't know if Adam Silver's like, yeah, we got to have it go game seven. Because, I mean, I'm not saying that that's not, but I don't think it's rigged. But what do the Celtics have left? You had a bad performance. I shouldn't say bad, but yeah. a non-three-point shooting performance by one of the best three-point shooters that we've seen. Probably going to go off a little bit in game six. Does Boston have a chance on Thursday night? Yeah, they have a chance. Yes, because it's in the garden. Because you are because you're playing with your backs against the wall. Because you're playing with desperation. Because you're playing hungry basketball. Because you don't want it to end. You definitely don't want to end on your home floor with uh, Draymond and Clay and Andrew Wiggins uh, and Bell uh, and Steph and company. Like just going crazy on your floor. The thing about the thing about this series that you can't appreciate. And let's just go back to Game One when everybody thought, "Oh, it's gonna be a, it's gonna be a sweep." Go to State's gonna, gonna beat Boston. You know. But Boston has been in this position a lot since uh, Tatum and Brown and Smart have come into the league. When you're talking about Boston having a first-year head coach, first-year head coaches don't do this. It's definitely with a team like Boston. But if you are Jason Tatum, you ask yourself, are you ready for the big times? Superstardom. Superstardom is when, when the lights are the brightest, when the moment is the biggest, your game is, your game is the biggest. You make a big shot. You make a big stop. You make a big play. You know, you live up to the moment. And I think Jalen Brown right now has out has outperformed Jason Tatum. I think going to the series all about Jason Tatum so far, it's been Jalen Brown. Now, you didn't have your best performance, nobody, last night, uh, you know, in San Francisco at uh, Chase Arena. You get to go back to the garden. And those fans are going to be rocking. Draymond, just tell, tell, your, tell your wife and the kid, don't even come. Because you know how crazy it's going to be. You know it's going to be star study. You know it's going to be Ray Allen in the building and Kevin Garnett. Paul Pierce, you know, all these great, uh, you know, Celtics from the past. And you got a shot to, you know, take it to game seven. Kevin, game seven, and game, listen, game seven in baseball, game seven in basketball, it is the greatest. Because that's, see, the thing about, the thing about game six with one team up 3-2, I mean, something still, you know, it's still a disadvantage. Uh, it's still a disadvantage, for, you know, uh, for the for the Celtics, even though they are at home. If it goes seven, uh-oh, you can throw all that other stuff out. Then the shots, are you really, are you really putting, you know, it's the difference of shooting, you know, shooting for, uh, you know, shooting the score, like, ah, kind of taking a little bit off. I think if, if, if you know, if, if, if the Celtics can handle business in the garden, go back to San Francisco, go back to Chase Arena, I think it's going to be a really, really good game. If you just lost the game to where the star of the game was Andrew Wiggins, Draymond Green got back to his antics, but it was all working as well as he was providing you some quality buckets. And Steph Curry didn't hit a three, and you lost. You know, that boy got. I'm trying to tell you, yeah. he got. He, he he walk around like a starting pitcher in baseball. He got an ice pack on that right shoulder right now. But Kevin, 
This is this is what this this is what stars are made. This is what superstardom superstars are made. And I think that if you are the Boston Celtics, you got to go out there and say, look, smart, you defensive player of the year first. First uh, guard to win defensive player of the year since who? Gary Payton. Who does Gary Payton Jr. play for? Uh, the Golden State Warriors. So all I'm saying is if you are the Celtics, you have, listen, you have nothing to lose and everything to gain. Obviously, you you, you know, you can you can lose uh, the championship. But I think if you're trying to, Kevin, we always talking about the upstart. Well, if you want to be able to start having your own little dynasty, having your own little run, you got you listen. You got you got to beat the Golden State Warriors for they, the Golden State Warriors are the best are the best team as far as like chemistry. I think there are better teams, and I think the Phoenix Suns are better than the Golden State Warriors. They're not in it. I think I think as far as like tandems, I think Kyrie Irving and uh, KD are a better tandem. Oh, Celtics already beat them. So when, I, I, I think the Joel Embiid and Harden might be a better tandem than Clay and Steph. Oh, I already got beat by the Celtics. So it's not like either team had an easy trick to get to this point. But it don't mean a thing if you don't get that ring. So Celtics, Tatum, Smart, Horford, you know, Brown and company, hey, somewhere Coach Brad Stevens is looking saying, hey, man, y'all, <laughs> I put y'all together, right? I put y'all together. And obviously I wasn't able to get over the hump. Sure. If they can find a way to get it done, Kevin, like I said, I mean, you want to be able to build your own legacy. It's real similar to like a Doug Peterson. When he was at Philly, hey, man, ain't no way he's going to be able to do it. Carson Wentz goes out, you know, got this guy named Nick Foles. You know, they go out there and win. Nick Foles has a statue. Legends are made in the finals. Just like legends in baseball are made in October. You got to find a way to get it done because all that, listen, it's a bunch of shoulda, coulda, woulda. Just ask Charles Barkley. He had to play with Mike. No one's going to feel sorry for him. You got to find a way to get it done because, once again, you start saying, hey, man, Everybody, we were talking about the new thing now is legacy, 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 legacy. Most guys only got regular season legacies. Scored a bunch of points, got a couple of MVPs, a couple of scoring titles. What about when it's time to win it all, though? We don't want to talk about that. Oh, okay. <laughs> so, you want, so you're an individual in a team sport. I only want to talk about your individual accolades. Tatum, Smart, Brown, Horford, you guys got a shot to make history because, like I said, when it comes to fights, not about how many fights you had is who you fought. People going to say, man, who you beat, though? Golden State. Steph? Yeah, Clay? Draymond, Andre, you got Andrew Wiggins, you got Andre Iguodala. Got a chance right. to send them both home. Easier said than done, Kevin. I think, I, listen, I don't even want to know what the is going for sure. in Boston, but I, th- I think Boston got good a shot as him. Well, look, and, and again, you as you said, this is a, a legacy finals in a number of capacities, right? I mean, and I know you could say that about a lot of finals, but for, for the Celtics, you're putting another banner up for the Celtics. Which is, then, I mean, I'm, depending on what part of the country you're from, arguably one of the top two franchises in the NBA. So as, you, as you like to say, and I agree, no, the Knicks are in New York. That's about all they got going for them, right? And I'm sorry that in kind of the Knicks' modern heyday, Patrick Ewing and guys like that, a guy named MJ played and you couldn't get there. But, I mean, New York's in New York. That's it. The Knicks are in New York. That's it. The Celtics and the Lakers, to me, Ben, and I, tell me if I'm wrong, are the top two all-time franchises. Like, hey, th- these are the legacy franchises yeah. that if you win a championship, and that's why I think uh, you say, come on, Kevin, why did LeBron go to L.A.? And everybody said, if you do not win a championship, mm-hmm. LeBron, you come to L.A., the greats win championships in L.A. Magic Johnson, Kareem, Kobe, Shaq, you name it, right? The greats win championships. So I think you got that on one side. And then on the other side, 
Ben, I think it's equally interesting because you talk about a modern the the modern dynasty yeah. in the NBA, and now you're talking about a couple of guys that are starting to hit the rarefied air. Like you talk about, hey, what if LeBron could get fired? What if LeBron? I mean, Steph and company oh, are Steph, about Steph, to hit. Steph, 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 Steph is about to get four if they win it, and I think. And that's Draymond, I mean that's rarefied that's, that's air. Company and Steph, Draymond, and Clay. Cause usually when you talk about four, it'd be a different cast of guys. You have different guys. Sure. Like, like even with um even with um uh Greg Popovich and company, you know, you start with Avery Johnson, you know, uh, and you end up with uh with uh Parker. So you didn't have the same guard. Well, even the even the Bulls, I mean, you had Pippen and Jordan, but you had uh, Rodman, you know Rodman, then who coach Curry, came you along? You had John Paxson, you had Luke Longley. You you had a different yeah. cast of characters for the for the but Clay, Steph, and Draymond, I think they got the most wins or something like that in finals. I think they had like they got a bunch of them because look, they they, they they're playing in their sixth finals, which which it's even crazy to think about because this is Golden State. Like, right. come on, man! Like all the legacy of the Golden State Warriors, take nothing away from you know. It's happening uh, now. Yeah, yeah take nothing away from with uh you know uh. You know, guys like uh Chris Webber, you know, different guys with no, Chris Tim Hardaway, Mullen. Chris Mullen. I'm sorry. It's like the legacy. Chris Mullen doesn't look like Chris Webber. He does not. <laughs> the, 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 the legacy of the Warriors is right now. So, and Steph is saying, look, I want to see him in myself. Meaning, when somebody goes, hey, man, what era did you play in? Well, pick one. I played when Kobe was in the NBA. I played when LeBron is still in the NBA. Well, I mean, I think that's, I think that's important, though, Ben. Yeah. If you look at this iteration and say, I got four rings. And you say, okay, well, so does LeBron. And we played at the same time. Yep. Right, I mean, and and I got and I got three of them against LeBron and company. Now LeBron took one for me, but I I I, I will say this, and, and and I'm excluding Mike from this. When you when you when you lose in the finals, man, it doesn't. The, the best team is gonna win it. The best player might not be on the best team. It happens a lot. Any t- anytime LeBron was in the finals, he was the best player. I'm sorry, he was the best player. He ain't win. Listen, lost against Dallas. Lost multiple times. Lost multiple times. Obviously against against the Warriors. Uh, I can't. Uh, and I and I and I think lost the first time. I think against uh against Pop Greg Popovich and company 2007 uh, Cavs. But most guys ain't getting in no finals. That's what people don't forget. They asked Reggie Miller one time. Hey man, uh, you think you think it worked with LeBron James? He goes, LeBron James going to the finals every year. Yeah. What if he lost them all? And. <laughs> like yeah. I think y'all missing the the goal is to make it to the finals. The best team gonna win it. And I know Michael Jordan was a little bit different because he never lost. But if Steph can get four, people say he's the LeBron of his era. I, I'm just saying. Can man, you be the LeBron of the era if you're still playing with LeBron nah, that, James? That, 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 I guess I guess they'll start his era. Well, after, listen, I mean, but listen, no, listen, I mean, I'm like, saying this though. You know, what I, I can't be the Michael Jordan of my era yeah, if Michael Mike's still Jordan, in the league. Listen, K- I mean, I just listen, can't. Listen, I'm sorry, I can't listen, do uh, it. Uh, KD, Kyrie. Steph, Russ, uh, James Harden, all these boys, yeah, they grew up watching LeBron. Them boys went to LeBron James camp. <laughs> you know who can't stand the draft? What? That would be LeBron James' mama. She's sick of it. Like, you ain't better than my son. If you are Steph Curry, Steph Curry is more of a true barometer of a basketball player because he doesn't play above the rim. He's a shooter. He's a distributor. He's, you know, I mean, he, you know, he's a drive to the but, but when he is at his, when he is at his all-time best, it's hard to say anybody's better than him. And that's taking nothing away from LeBron. That's taking away from KD. That's taking nothing away from Giannis. And I think, Kevin, you get to put that on display. Tatum, can you, do you have 
that can you summon that type of super saiyan in you sure. to have that? And I think that because the thing about Mike was we knew it was coming. Hey man, you know it's coming, right? You know whether you rooted for Mike or went against him, you knew it was coming. Steph, every time he let it go, you think it's going in. Tatum, man, you want you want to you want to get really really welcome to the big leagues, win you a championship for the for the Celtics because Paul Pierce, Ray Allen, Kevin Garnett, they can say whatever they want until they want it. Mr. Mr. You know anything's possible. KG is is semen in the stone. They go go was gonna be a Hall of Fame anyway, but he won with himself. That's fell. And he kind of hit that next level once that championship came yeah. uh, in Boston. We got more to come here on three and out. Brandon Scooby Robinson gonna join us. We'll talk about uh, Game Five, Game Six coming up on Thursday night, and more with these NBA Finals. This is three and out all across the Southern Pigskin Radio Network. Welcome back. It is three and out. Kevin Thomas, Ben Troop, glad you are with us. The NBA, man, it has been back and forth here in the NBA Finals. Warriors go back on top three games to two after a win last night. Ben, joining us here on the program, Brandon, Scoopy Robinson of Scoopy Radio and NBA insider for Bally Sports. Scoopy, welcome to the show. How are you? Gentlemen, thank you for having me. I'm all right. I am between coasts. And I'm glad that I've been able to fit some time in to to chat with my guys in Georgia. Hey, well, we appreciate you you, you squeezing us in, man. This has been a a back-and-forth series, one where maybe it looks like the youth's going to take over, one where it looks like maybe the experience is going to take over. And Golden State uh, goes back up on top last night despite Steph Curry not hitting the three. Is this now back in in their favor, or does Boston still have uh, a fighting chance to win two in a row? Well, I'd like to see a Game 7. It'd be great for ratings to have an NBA uh, Finals on Father's Day, Juneteenth Day, uh, and a myriad of other days. you got some guys on both sides of the basketball um, who have dads who played in the league or have uncles who have played professionally in some sports. The storylines are there. The pandemonium is there. Um, I'm going to be honest with you. The Celtics shoulda, coulda, woulda meaning the Celtics should have grabbed last night's game or the game before that. Um, it seems like it's a storyline. And uh, more than anything else, um, I think Steph Curry not making any threes, as he shared with me last night, doesn't matter because he got the win. Uh, I, I wish The Rock was in the press conference because I got the first question and I asked him about the three. And The Rock should have been in the press conference. And said, it doesn't matter whether he made threes or not because – um, I, I think the thing about the, the Warriors that has that has stood out um, is that when certain key guys aren't in the fold, their reinforcements make things happen. And you look at what Andrew Wiggins did last night, and you also look um, at Draymond uh, getting his groove back, uh, and and I and you look at Jordan Poole who has been uh, focused. Uh, the last couple games, more specifically last game, it all comes together. Listen, after his press conference yesterday, somebody asked Jordan Poole um, if his father was going to be around for Game 7, and I heard Jordan Poole in the hallway say, I don't think there's going to be a Game 7. And Scooby was sticking with that. I mean, you, you, look at it, you look at what Clay Thompson said before Game 5, saying, look, man, we're going to beat him in six. Everybody was like, oh, and you talk about a guy like Jordan Poole. You talk about Wiggins. You talk about Draymond. How – how special of a culture is the Warriors when usually you talk about the Splash Brothers, you would think that Clay would have to take more of a Batman role if a guy like Steph ain't ain't you know ain't hitting threes. But Andrew Wiggins and how far his game has come. Talk about you know you talk about his contribution last night, but he seemed to uh, be stepping up every you know every game now. Yes, I know that everybody wants to focus on Draymond Green's podcasting and 
some of those other interests that he has. But I think over time, you know, it's a marathon, not a sprint, and you're seeing guys come together at the right time, experiences, teacher. Uh, I think that the Celtics, though, um, you know, Al Horford is the experienced vet on that team. But also when you look at Jason Tatum, a guy that has been to multiple conference finals um, and, you know, now is at the big stage. It's crazy. I did an interview with his dad the other day, um, and he told me he didn't even expect for the Celtics to make the playoffs. Um, he was, you know, joking and looking back at the time machine. He put his, 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 his hand up to his head like he was talking on the phone. Yo, who we got to trade? Who we got to do to make this happen? Got to make this happen. Um, it, the Celtics' journey in and of itself was impressive because, you know, you look at the, at the Eastern Conference standings, you had guys like the, or teams like the Heat, the Bulls, and even an underdog lower uh, down in the standings than, you know, the Nets or a team like the Sixers that everybody just thought were the favorite. And the Celtics uh, literally were um, that diamond in the rough that found their way. They've been here before. They've had their backs up against the wall. And, you know, if they hope to make it to a game seven, they're going to have to really put on some rubber gloves and dig deep. And, uh, Scoop, how do you see this Celtics team? Ben and I were talking earlier this week where, you know, hey, it's one thing that, hey, maybe we didn't think we'd be here, but you're there. And putting a championship uh, is obviously uh, next to your name is what every NBA player hopes for. But you do it in Boston. I mean, that's what, like, I think Boston or the Lakers, you hang a championship there. I mean, you become legendary, right? You do. Um, Boston is a special place uh, for some people, and they're going to have to lean on their home crowd. And uh, but also do the work, um, and I'm sure that those Boston fans are going to be crazy belligerent. Uh, um, but more than anything else, I, I do think that um, that was what they the Celtics should have leaned on in Game Four, uh, and it didn't happen. So, you know, find the Celtics, find a way to drag this back out to San Fran. With this series, I mean, the way it's been back and forth, I mean, so many storylines. I mean, you talk about Poole, you talk about Draymond, you know, you talk about Wiggins, you talk about Steph, you talk about Clay, Jason Tatum. Everybody knows that he's the top five, top ten talent in the NBA. I mean, you look at what he's been to the Celtics and been, what he's been in the league since he set foot in the league. Is he ready for this moment, though? Because, I mean, the finals is much different. I'm not saying he don't got, he's not box office, but as Kevin mentioned, I mean, this moment and winning it for Boston, is he ready for this moment? Is he ready to really carry his team the next two, uh, to get those next two wins? And who are we saying here? Which person were you saying? Jason Tatum. Um, he's going to have to show and prove it. And, um, you know, when I look at this Celtics team, one of the things that I like about uh, Jason Tatum is his ability to be a dual threat, both as a distributor and as a scorer. Um, even Udoka, head coach of the Celtics, you know, shared with me that they're going to have to find a way to to to, to do both, uh, distribute, but also uh, score the basketball. And um, yeah, I, I think that um, when it's all said and done, this is Jason Tatum's moment to shine. Um, Put up or shut up. So yeah, that's 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 what I think. I think Tatum Tatum's been there going against big names. Uh, you know, even in his rookie year, going against a Cavs team in the Eastern Conference Finals, uh, going against LeBron and that Celtics team having an injured Kyrie Irving and fighting. You know, being a Game Seven away, he's not had success. I think they played a Game Seven against the Cavs in eighteen, um, and the Conference Finals hasn't had that success. But um, you know, I think. This is an exciting time, and this is the time where you, you have fun, first and foremost. But secondly, you go out and get it. 
I mean, we mentioned Draymond, you know, uh, earlier, uh, his mom uh, tweeting uh, two games ago saying, I don't know who that Draymond is out there. When you talk about the IQ of a basketball player, a guy that just understands what my role is, I'm, I'm kind of like a positionless player. I'm a small forward. I can play the four. I can play, I can play the five. But what he means to a team when he doesn't even have to score and he does his podcast after, have you ever seen a person that's understand what he means to a team but also, you know, understand what he means to the culture of basketball away from it? Two people come to mind. Um, Jason Kidd and Dennis Rodman. Jason Kidd can impact the game by passing the ball getting people involved and getting people paid. Dennis Robin can get you 20 rebounds without scoring, and his team still wins the game. Dennis Robin is more culturally oriented um, than Jason Kidd, although I think Jason Kidd had some of the most interesting space shoe, moon shoe sneakers ever in basketball history. Um, but the ability to have an imprint on a game without scoring 20, 30, 40, 50 points is what Rodman and Jason Kidd mean to me um, and as, as a child of the 90s. Those are the two big names that come to mind at the moment. That's cool. Finally, man. I mean, uh, obviously, you know, every every time I see you, you know, uh, navigating around in Chase Arena or in the garden, watch you do I, Mind you, you know, my family already think I don't really know you for real. I'm like, man, you don't know him <laughs> just because they say you only know him because he, he come on your radio show. I said, no, I know, I know Brandon. I know Scoop. All I can say is, man, when I be seeing you, when I be seeing you with the with the with the ensembles on, man, I mean, you got a stylist these days. I know you be walking the red carpet. I know you be doing the modeling shows. I mean, Scoop, do Scoop got, you know, a stylist saying I'm gonna be wearing, you know, a, you know who's who when I'm out there on the court? I do. I do have a stylist. Huh? He's based in Philly. Um, I've, I've been working with him since 2018, and um, yeah, he's he's, he's um. Somebody that uh, I met, actually, he was a guest on a show, uh, a former show that I had at CBS, and uh, he had me on the runway for New York Fashion Week, and um, I ended up uh, retaining him, and I've been working with him ever since, so definitely um, somebody that, that I've been working with for a while. He, I, I, I ran out of clothes. He sent my stuff to my hotel in Boston. Um, it was supposed to come Friday. Um, I, I'm not going to be able to get it until today. Um, I actually had to shop off the rack and get some things while I was in Oakland, so or had to go to Oakland to get some things. So it's been a journey during the NBA Finals, just navigating my first NBA Finals, getting clothes in order. But um, he's definitely been all reliable. And, uh, yeah, you'll, you'll be seeing some more ensembles for years to come. Hey, hold on, hold on, hold on, Scoop, baby. Listen, we come along with Scoop and say, look, man, I'm, I'm out here shopping on the rag. I'm trying to make sure I get right and my stuff ain't getting here on time. Hey, man, welcome, listen, welcome to the world. Of, well, you already been there. Welcome to, welcome back to the world of the spotlight and limelight. And I, somebody said, hey, man, I'm telling you, I seen Scoop B and, you know, in the freaking mall shopping next to me. I know who he was. I just ain't say nothing to him. Listen, man, that's the, that's, I guess that's one of the, the, uh, the silver linings with, with, with COVID, uh, you will, and I mean this lightheartedly. You got to watch what you say. Um, wearing a mask <laughs> to kind of deter some things. So, um, you know, maybe maybe they 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 thought I was uh, somebody else in this one. But um, I, I'll tell you what, 
even shopping and grabbing things and having I had to buy another bag uh, while I was while I was uh, you know been getting been back and forth. I'm learning on this on this journey. You got to take trips home in between going to, to finals. You can't necessarily go straight through. So you can drop some clothes off and you can travel a little lighter. So I'm learning some things on the fly. I'm a rising. I'm a, I'm rising up the ranks. I'm having fun along the way. So I do bump into somebody who recognizes me. I think that's pretty dope. Brandon Scooby, Brandon Scooby Robinson, our guest here on Three Not Brandon. Hey man, we appreciate the time. Thanks so much, gentlemen. Thank you for the opportunity to be myself as always. Appreciate it. Scoop B joining us here, and, you know, you get the, the custom suits uh, hey. when you got to go back to the rack. That's a little I, bit of a shock, you know? I mean, I mean, well, think about it, Kevin. <laughs> I mean, the one thing about it is people are like, hey, how do I get all of my clothes, like, in, in the carry-on? But then you got toiletries. You got shoes. You got, you know, you got you might want to have a dinner after the game if you're going to be out there multiple nights. Scoop like, man, I got to leave the hotel. I got to go over here. I got to get the Uber. I got to go get some stuff off the rack. Oh, and then I get back to the room. Oh, there go my stuff. So now I got to get new bags. <laughs> hey, man, people be thinking, what is the routine for a player? We never ever think, what is the routine for a journalist? I mean, yeah. they got to have protocols too. But hey, man, man, shout, shout out to Scooby, man. Uh, you know, spend a little cheese it's, out there on I the road. As I say, especially with this one, it's uh, one coast to the other coast. There's no in between. So a uh, lot, as you said, a lot of frequent flyer miles going on there. Uh, for the guys covering this NBA Finals. We appreciate uh, Scoop B joining us here on 3 Now. We'll come back with more all across the Southern Pigskin Radio Network. Hey guys, this is Joe Hamilton, Georgia Tech Hall of Famer, and you're listening to Three and Out with the BJ, Ben, and Kevin. Good to have you back here, Three and Out, on this Tuesday. Kevin and Ben caking up to Braves and Nationals game two. Braves going for the Baker does, Baker's dozen tonight, thirteen. In a row, it will be Max Freed on the mound against, I'll be honest, Ben, I've never heard of this cat, Jackson Tetralt, who I'm only assuming is going to be making his Major League debut, and I hope the Braves treat him rudely. One, because he's for the Nationals. Two, he makes me feel old. I just looked him up, and he was born the year I graduated high school. So, and and there there it is. Yeah, don't. (laughs) So, sorry, Jackson. The Braves got to stick it to you. So the Braves uh, going up against another guy making his Major League debut tonight against Max Freed, who's playing really, really well. Of course, this is game one minus Ozzie. I always say this. You can't judge baseball on one game. Or one, it's like how would, You can't say, man, how would the Braves do without Ozzie? Well, I mean, what if he had a day off today? You're gonna ju- So I think this is really how does Orlando Arcia been handle this? The Braves called up Phil Goslin, a veteran guy who can come in if needed. But Orlando Arcia is a guy that still has skills. I heard some talk last night on the broadcast that he could be a starting infielder for maybe half the teams in Major League Baseball. Batting three, what, 313, only played in a handful of games. But he's going to get the everyday gig, at least for now. I think this is a, how does he perform 10 to 14 days out here having to play second base every single day in place of Ozzie Albies, who brought so much to the table defensively, 
Offensively, he's been at the top of the lineup, middle of the lineup, uh, can provide that spark with a big home run. Big shoes from a little guy that he's got to fill uh, for, for Ozzie. And you and I were talking earlier, Ben. This is just, how do you fill Ozzie's shoes, man? I mean, he's like, I think he's a good combo personality-wise between Acuna and, say, a Freddie Freeman. Where you get the business side, you saw him jumping on uh, Marcelo Zuna earlier this year. Like, hey, man, why, why are you still standing there? We got to be, you know, trying to score runs here. And he still has the playful side. He's like, hey, guys are braiding the hair in the dugout, dumping gum on. Hey, I think he's a good mix of we're serious, we're out here to win something, but we're also going to have fun at the same time. It keeps light. And I think quietly, Ben, this is just my opinion, he's kind of become that go-to guy in the clubhouse. You need a quote, you go talk to Ozzy. You need somebody to kind of give you the temper, uh, temperature of the locker room, you talk to Ozzy. He's kind of been that down-the-middle guy, and I think potentially that's where you're going to miss him. Because, again, you're going to go through rehab. He might be there for the home games, but he's probably not going to go with you on the road because yeah. he's injured. So yeah. you're going to miss that a little bit. I'm interested to see how it kind of plays out in week three and four of him being gone. And are you are you counting down whew, only four more weeks till he might be able to come back? Or is it, hey, thankfully, haven't missed a beat too bad with him being out of the lineup? It's, it's going to Big shoes to fill. I mean, make no mistake about it, Kevin, with everything you just mentioned, what he means to the dugout, what he means to the infield, what he means to just, you know, he's, he's what Ron Lacuna Jr. is energy-wise, Ozzy Alves is that, and, and more, we were talking about the professional aspect of things. And that's the thing about this Brazy, I go back to the personality and the culture and what, I think the thing about Arcia, what he has to do is say, hey, man, look, find your way as far as, like, being yourself. No one, no one player on this team is the same. Each guy, and it's almost like, Ron Lacuna Jr. and guys like Ozzy makes it so that Snick can go, well, look, man, I'm a team of personality. G- give me in- insight in this because, I mean, I, I, a lot of us play sports, but maybe not to the level you have. What is it like when you go from mostly watching yeah. to mostly playing and you're filling in for a guy who has done it at a high, high level? You're you nervous, man. I, I'm not going to say you you nervous. I mean, it's your shot, obviously. Yeah, it but- is, but you're but you nervous because it's it's bigger than just you in the lineup. It's who you're replacing and what the team is. Like, Ozzy was when we started talking about the lineup, we're like, dude, well, Ozzy can hurt you just as much as Olsen and Riley and Dansby and Acuna and Duvall. So now you say, okay, how do I work into that? Then, I mean, Ozzy was pretty freaking good at second base. Then he was good for the dugout. Then he was good for the locker room. It's like he's checking every box. And you're on a team that wants to contend. It's exactly. not like this is happening I, to I, the Diamondbacks. I would, I would say this. I'm pretty sure that Ozzy be talking to Arcia, like just saying, look, man, just stay ready. Right now, obviously he ain't saying that if he gets hurt. But he's saying, <laughs> right. but he's saying, stay ready. And Kevin, I, I I would say if any, if there was, I don't think there's a better ball club to try to figure out who you. Because we were talking about Michael Harris, like he's only been here what a, a month. Two, now I know two Not weeks. Month, two, and and I, it's about <laughs> it it's like... about it's about because unfortunately, listen, sports is half what you do and half what they say about you. That that that's just how it goes. He control what he does. He can control what we say. He has to give us something to talk about. Obviously, you know, hitting the hitting walk-offs early in the season, that, <laughs> that definitely helps. But that just shows you can't be dependent upon. Now, can we depend upon you every day? Because baseball, outside of the DH, outside of being a starter or a reliever, it's every day, man. I mean, we got to depend on you every day. And I will say this. If, if I had to pick, Arcia, whatever you may have struggles with at the, at the plate, you want to make up for it in the field. Because the thing about Ozzy Hey man, he's pretty freaking good, and and that and that's the bigs. When you like I said, Ozzy isn't just think about the Braves. The Braves don't just got a first base; they can probably got top three. 
They don't have a second base, probably got top three. They don't have a uh, you know, third base, probably got top three. You talking about some of the best in the bigs and what they do. Now you're replacing them. You don't just don't stand out. And that's and that's easy to say. Stand out in a bad way. Yeah, stand How out in a bad that? way. Because <laughs> I mean, Kevin, like I said, hopefully Snip yeah. is saying, look, man, be yourself, man. Because one thing about it, what? You're gonna be starting every day. Like, good or bad, baseball is how do I deal with a bad night? And not and not and not you know and not like you know add to that and you know back to back nights because ba- baseball is how do I avoid slumps and if I'm in a sure. slump how do I get out of a slump how do I make sure that wherever I'm struggling at offensively I I don't struggle at defensively but hey man Kevin it's it's the Braves it's the Bigs it's the Bravos I'm sorry there are no free lunches there are no there are no you know you can go out there and enjoy this time but it could be the craziest sixty days of your career yeah and again for those who are just joining us Ozzy going on the sixty day IL so. Don't know a whole lot about his injury, but I do know the Braves think he's not coming back for at least two months. So probably looking at, I would say, September at this point, first part of September, Gonna because, again, 60 days, you're going to have to do rehab assignment. You're going to have to get back in a group of playing baseball. I'm thinking September 1, you're, hopeful, you're hoping to have Ozzy back for that push in September to try to move things forward. So I think that's best case scenario. Appreciate Scoop B. Robinson joining us here in the final hour. Rich Styles back in hour number two. Braves and Nationals coming up next. If you missed any of the show, ESPNCoastal.com. Go to our YouTube page, ESPN Coastal on YouTube, and we will see you tomorrow all across the Southern Pigskin Radio Network.